Here we have my wife who a few weeks ago, she turned to me and said, hey, Justin, what's that Jimmy Eat World song with what was the lyrics that you were looking for? I'm on my feet. I'm on the floor. I'm good to go. Right. It wasn't the typical Crimson and Clover one that most people say, hey, what's that Crimson and Clover track by Jimmy Eat World? No, it was the I'm on my feet. I'm on the floor. I'm good to go. And it actually caught me off guard. And it made me think for a moment, what song is that? Well, this is what I re- realized about a praise chorus is I have never associated any of the lyrics in this song with the word a praise chorus. It's so difficult for me to think of that title. I mean, I don't know. What, what would you say the song would be called? Probably Crimson and Clover. That's right. That's the main yeah, phrase. Crimson yeah. And Clover. Same thing with um, with uh, I think they even renamed it was uh, Bleed American was Salt, Sweat, Sugar, Salt, Sweat, Sugar on the Asphalt. And that's what people remember. They don't remember that it's Bleed American. Right. So they actually had in Prince these salt, sweat, sugar. Uh, So this is just one of those tracks where now it is ingrained in my head, the Crimson and Clover, and that I'm on my feet, I'm on the floor, I'm good to go, is a praise chorus. Right. What I think is funny about this is that I had asked you about this song, and I said, when are you going to do a praise chorus? And you said... Not for a while. It's episode 200 and something on my list. Right. It looked. <laughs> I messaged David because he had a quick access to our uh, our little song list. And either it wasn't listed at all and where it was in the list, you know, you can look on our spreadsheet. It was something like. It was definitely in the 200s. It was up yeah. there as far as numbers go. Right. And you think about that. If you, if you do 50 a year. Right. You told me it wasn't going to be for a few years. And I got really sad because I I love this song so much. And I was so excited for for you guys to talk about it. So we have an exciting block of songs coming up. uh, But this one kicks it off. And uh, we moved it on up. So I can't remember what we had in this place. We could probably look in the backlogs or whatever. The archives. So you were asking me about a praise chorus, some lyrics. We've gone to a couple shows. Mm -hmm. Um, What was the first... Jimmy Eat World concert that you and I had attended. Oh my gosh. I'm pretty sure the very first one that we went to, correct me if I'm wrong, was at um, a theater in Ventura, California. And I was only, I think, four weeks postpartum from our first child. Is that right? That was the Futures anniversary tour. It's 2014. Yeah, which was it was 2014. Our absolutely. daughter was four weeks old and I was so hesitant to go to the show. It was the first time we had ever left our child behind. She was so brand new. I was, you know, just figuring out motherhood and all of the lovely things that go with it. And it was just a really amazing experience. Do you remember what we got from that show? That was the pick. Yeah. That was the pick, which I have now, if we look at it over here, um, I have the ticket, which came from our friend Alex. Alex, and then uh-huh. how did we get the pick? It was this. It was someone. Alex. Someone was on the floor. It might have been Alex as well, or Scott. So I know. Yeah, maybe it was Scott. Uh, but I believe David was at this show, and one of us was at the top. I think we were at the top. I was at the top because I just wanted to kind of hang back a little bit. Right. I was. I was a little nervous about being there, to be right. honest. Right, and then the show ended, and. I can't remember which one of us decided, let's just go down to the floor. And whoever went down to the floor was rooting around in the front as as people were kind of leaving. They were done standing up there. So it was shortly after the show ended and they came up with the pick. Right. So they got the pick. And then I got to take the Velvet Jones, which I think that was Alex and I that went to that show, mm-hmm. which was just the Jim Adkins show. Um, and then Ruben's Accomplice. 
And so I put those together in a nice little framed. A montage. Yeah. It's a, it, I guess it's mixed show. So right. It's, it's not exactly the same show, but I still have a Jim Adkins pick. It's printed. It's not like he wrote Jim Adkins on there, but it's his style pick. Uh, and I, I think that that fits and works for exactly what David and I have, have started doing. I so, just remember how excited you were when you got that pick. You were over the moon. Ecstatic, I think it was my second, my second or third post on Twitter, something, something early. If you went it back. It was into, really, really cool. Yeah. You talked about it the whole way home. Yeah. <laughs> so that was our first, um, experience with Jimmy world together. What was, if you can remember this, if you can pull this one. Um, when, what, what was the first track that you heard of Jimmy world? Always be, is that right? I, I can't say that I really was into Jimmy world very much at all until we met and we went to that first show in Ventura. And ever since then, I've started listening so much more and I've enjoyed it so much more. If, if you ask me any day on any given day, what I'm listening to on, on Spotify or Pandora, it's Jimmy world. So, and it also helps that our kids have, um, unlocked the, uh, the ability, the accessibility of Alexa and <laughs> sometimes with Siri when they figure that one out. But the fact that they'll, that Charlotte will just say, play Jimmy world radio. Yeah. She loves it. Yeah, and then she's also figured out that if she says just play Jimmy World, it plays the Jim- This Is Jimmy World, that playlist, and it's just Jimmy World. She even knows which songs come up first because it's not on random. So she'll say skip the first song, and then it goes to um, it goes to one of the tracks off of Surviving, but she really enjoys that one. She does, yeah. I can't think of the name of it right now, but. Yeah, well, you know what? We're <laughs> all foggy. All of us are foggy right now. Yeah, it's. um. So, yeah, when we first met, you were going to and I don't know if this was when we were this had to be when we were just dating. You went to a country show, Jason Aldean out in that was, was in Ventura, Ventura. Also, that was at the, the, county fair. the county fair. Yeah. Right. So you I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't say that that was your type of music, but you were interested in that at that point. Um, yes and no. I, I kind of just went to that show, I think, just because it was something to do. But I was I was definitely more into to John Mayer at that point in time. I was going to a lot right. of John Mayer shows at that time. Still am. That was a nice little, uh, um, I guess, swap that we did was you really introduced me. I knew of John Mayer and I'm mm-hmm. sure you heard Jimmy World, but no one had really introduced me um, heavily into John Mayer's music like you did. Right. So then we started going to a lot more shows of his on a regular basis. And I know that's when Jimmy World wasn't really touring as much. And I know that David, when he would go to the shows, I think he would shout out to me and say, hey, look, I'm going to the show. Um, I think, it, you know, he was more into the band at the time, um, and was willing to go a further distance. I think the furthest I think I've ever gone for Jimmy Eat world was the Fox theater with Jasmine. And I want to say that was out in a oh man. I, I don't even know if that's Pasadena, but it's like a, a couple of hours away. Does everybody know that Jasmine is your sister? No, I, I may have mentioned that. Yeah. So okay. that's my sister. And I, I believe that I, I brought up that her and I went to a couple of shows together and we've gone yeah. to a few shows in the, in the past. Oh gosh. I just remembered another show that we had been to. I forgot about the one at the Palladium. Do you remember that one? Oh yeah. I don't know who, uh, who opened for them. I don't think we made it for the opener at the Palladium. Yeah. That's I'd where have, it was, right? Yeah. With that nice sloped floor. Yeah, it looked like an arena. Uh-huh. Or, uh, like a, I think I made the, the comment about it being a cafeteria. In fact, I think at that show, I got my chapstick taken away by the security guard. Yes, you did. And I was medicated, and I, and I just opened that one, and I was so mad. And right. then I think you had said, why don't you just say it was like required or it was prescription, something like that. Right. But I was just bummed because I had just opened the chapstick, and they were checking everybody. 
The things you remember, right? I know, right? <laughs> well, I wonder what happened to that chapstick. That was probably the 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 best little trade off with music was you bringing me into John Mayer and then you getting a hold of Jimmy World and their sounding and exposing you to other albums. I know that you tend to lean more toward the albums that came after. Um, I think I I don't know if you've listened to any of Invented. I definitely know that you've listened to Chase This Light. <laughs> And uh, maybe some of Integrity Blues. And you definitely listen to Part of Surviving because that's the album that you, me, and the kids have been listening to lately. Right. I, I can't say that I know names of albums, to be honest, but I'm pretty sure I could probably sing along with some lyrics in almost every single song. Right. I, I feel like I've heard almost everything. So. All right. Well, I know you're I know it's late. Um, yes, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for hanging with me for so long. With what you've been listening to with Jimmy World for the past 10 years. I mean, what would you say about them as a band? I don't want you to go too deep, but what do you feel like, you know, as, as a, as a band, as musicians? Every time I hear Jimmy world, it makes me happy. And that's one thing that I love about them is that no matter what song it is. And when we went to side sidetrack a little bit, when we went to the show at the Greek, the most recent show that we've seen, um, of Jimmy eat world, And we were sitting there in this beautiful outdoor amphitheater, much smaller than any venue I feel like we've ever seen them at before. Um, And just kind of hanging out in the beautiful afternoon and listening to their music. And that one song came on and they, you had told me a little bit of background about it. I don't remember the name of the song, but it's, it was written for the people who had passed away. Yeah. Hear you me. Yeah. I just, I feel their music so much more when you explain these little things to me. And I just they make me happy. And even when I hear songs like that, it just makes me, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. It's just, it's a happy feeling and it's an, I, I feel them. I feel their music. I feel like they, they speak to me on a couple of different levels because when I, I listen to their music that I've got my feet, I'm on, you know, the lyric right. we were just talking about. Um, it just, I don't know why, but I just understand and I feel what they're talking about. And that's one thing that I really like about them. That's beautiful. That was really good. They, uh, they definitely have the ability to, because they're such solid uh, songwriters, it's a, it's going to be a good song, but how do you identify with it? How does it affect you? Uh, and part of the reason why we're doing the pod is because we want to learn more about the backstory of all these songs. Uh, some have a lot more, um, history than others. Some are much more heavy like that one, like Michael and Carly and, and their, unfortunate fate and their interaction with the band. Right. Uh, but what this has also been done is opened up the door to other people who have known them as a very young band. And we're starting to see why these, why these songs mean so much. And it takes it from being able to say the lyrics. And that's a beautiful song. You see Jim up there with his acoustic to now know what, what began, how that song began, what it started as. Right. They're so relatable. I think that's the word yeah. that I was, was thinking for is that Everything that I hear lyric wise from them, I can relate to in some way and some facet or some aspect of my life. I really can. I understand what they're saying on a deeper level. Yeah. And I hope that they keep making music and, and uh, me too. Yeah. It, it's fun for our kids. I'm glad they, they're going to be that generation that's come in to them. You know, let's say this is in the middle of their career or not even maybe the first third of it. Who Hopefully they, they continue on forever. But uh, it's interesting to see. It will be interesting to see how they um, they take their music because this is going to be the foundation of their lives is is the rock music that you and I introduce them to. If it's blues or if it's rock or if it's kind of a alternative pop, but right. that's what's really shaping them right now. Absolutely. So um, 
I don't know if you guys heard the beep, but that is our monitor going off. We need to get uh, new rechargeable batteries. So um, I'm going to uh, retire my wife back to her quarters and then she can uh, she can sleep. And then guess what? David and I are going to finish out the evening here. It's 913 Pacific Standard Time. Uh, and, and don't laugh at me for going to bed so early. <laughs> I'm tired. And uh, we're just going to uh, get this episode on. All right. Thanks, Thank babe. you. First off, I wanted to thank some people uh, for uh, filling in for me in uh, while I was on uh, a paternity leave. It was a busy paternity leave, though. I sort of still ran the pod accounts and uh, helped organize the show. Um, I, sh- I popped up here and there every now and again, but I wanted to thank uh, Blake Lagrange for coming in, Alia Chowdhury, um, Ryan Caldwell, uh, my wife who came in and did an episode with me last week. And most importantly, you, you really took the helm and did a bunch of episodes on your own. Oh yeah. Um, You know what though? I, I, like you had said, man, you were definitely in there in the, uh, in, in the background, uh, coordinating, helping out and making sure that, uh, that we stayed on course. I know that I was the one. I think I booked all the guests. Yeah, you did. (laughs) I just, I was the, the talking, the talking individual, uh, who, who sat here and listened to them, them chat. Blake Lagrange, I found through my buddy Paul, who I know from my wife. She was my he was my wife's childhood friend growing up. Uh, Paul was really into music. So when we had the idea of starting the podcast, I was like, oh, let me think like he's like the most musical person I know. If I hear a song with a really confusing time signature, I'll send it to him and say, hey, do you know what this time signature is? And he'll explain it to me in a way that makes sense. So I was like, oh, he'd be a great person to have on as like a reference or like a fact check or something like that. And the minute I told him about the show, um, he was like, Hey, you know what? My buddy Blake, uh, I just told him about your idea and he was like so jealous that he didn't think of it. Um, he's such a huge Jimmy Eat world fan. He's actually friends with some of the guys. So I was like, Oh, put us in touch with him. And I think at, the idea was to make him give him a segment on the show where he'd come in at the end of each episode, we'd send him the files or that send him the episode early and he'd record like a fact check and say, Oh, this is, these are the things that David and Justin got wrong. Um, and it just, he's a busy guy. He moved his family all the way across the country, but he did come in for that one episode. Um, Alia, I found because I was listening to Switched on Pop and they did an emo episode. Allegra Frank was on Switched on Pop uh, talking about Jimmy World with such authority. I was like, okay, let me see if she would ever want to be on the show for any reason. And when we were sort of looking for fill-in hosts, I hit her up and she was like, you know what? You should talk to Alia because she is a huge Jimmy World fan. She'd love that opportunity. Alia hit it off. You guys did a great episode. Yeah, I thought, she was she was very 17. informed. Um, <laughs> definitely uh, had her piece to, yeah. to say. And uh, and then Ryan, uh, he had mentioned I did not live in Phoenix ever, but I have a lot of family out there. So the drummer in my band growing up, he was a child actor. And he would go to a thing called IMTA. That's where like Ashton Kutcher was discovered and Katie Holmes and all these child actors are discovered at this like convention for child actors. Uh, Jeff, I think, got discovered at IMTA. I Don't quote me on that. But anyway, when once Jeff got a manager and an agent and everything doing contract work, he moved down to LA and lived with his manager. And we had band practice at his manager's house. He His was the wedding I went to up in Yosemite oh, yeah. just this past January. We're like best friends. And uh, he 
would get his friends to go. He would still, since he lived with his manager, he would help out and go work the the IMTA convention every year in LA and New York. I met Hallie and Cody working a convention with Jeff. And Cody and I hit it off because we all like the same music. And Hallie it, uh, was doing video editing and stuff like that. And that's what I did. So we all hit it off. And uh, I just stayed in touch with them. And uh, just completely happenstance that he they knew Ryan, who I listened to completely unbeknownst to me, that he had started a Blink-22 podcast. And of course, I went and listened to it. And then one day, Cody and Hallie showed up as guests on his show. And I was like, wait, What? It was crazy. So right, um, and I'd like to have all of these individuals on there. Ryan was excellent, and it was it was weird how parallel your lives were with, with his, <laughs> his interests and everything. Yeah, but just even when so he was going away. on and on about his iTunes library yeah. and having the artwork and metadata all tagged, like yeah, that's exactly me. Right, and I, I totally still have my iTunes library downloaded on a drive that's in a drawer. Mine still <laughs> boots up though. I think so. Yeah, well, you know uh, what? We're gonna work on a little bit of a fund to get his fixed, uh, repaired. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, up and running. Um. I would like to say that all of these people, Blake, Alia, Ryan, Susie, you, Grace, Charlie, all these people, I would say that you guys are my praise chorus. <laughs> Excellent. This is Jimmy Epod. <laughs> um, I thought of that while I was talking about all these people. I was like, hey, this is like a chorus of people. Yeah. Um. Unless you had a, a pun. Uh, did you have a pun? Well, no, I didn't actually. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> and speaking of which, of, of this, the supporting, uh, the, the foundation of the shows, like we wouldn't really have anybody to, uh, no one would be listening to us if it wasn't for your ears. And we can tell that we've got listeners from the praise that we receive both on Twitter, uh, Instagram, and then, and then on Facebook too, we get some of the love there. Um, but there's just been so much over the last couple of months that David and I have uh, that have learned about the band because we've met new people, uh, and people are calling the pod number four eight four J E Pod. Even though our uh, our voicemail introduction says, uh, you know, if there's a problem with the pod or if the fact check, just just give us some praise or or give us a, a suggestion, whatever it is. Well, and that was what I yeah I wanted to bring that up for sure for, because for two two, two reasons. One is next week we're going to empty the voicemail bag finally you because bet. we've just held on to a bunch of stuff we've never played. Yeah. <laughs> and so finally we're going to we're going to play that next week. But also it's Bleed American season. We are doing a bunch of Bleed American in the next couple weeks. So uh, any thoughts you have on the record, uh, your favorite songs, all that stuff, 484JPod, call and let us know uh, so we can play it on the show next week because we're going to dump the mailbag. Then from now on, from week to week, we'll empty the mailbag. So let's jump into a praise chorus. Um, this is our first Bleed American track. I can't believe it. I know. But I guess we were burning through a bunch of episodes to get a bunch of stuff in the um, in the can. What I was talking with Lindsay about was that there is no, and I know this is literal, there's nothing that says a praise chorus in here, but for the longest time, I've had the hardest uh, time associating the title of the song with the actual, the lyrics and what I hear in my head when I hear the Crimson and Clover and I hear the chorus, I'm on my feet, I'm on the floor. There's nothing that links my mind to the title. So if anyone ever brings up the lyrics in that song, I'm stumped, <laughs> you know? But now that I look at it and I've got this, 
you know, when we get to the part where we, we kind of talk about what the song means, there is a definite association now with the title of the song and, and how I feel, what, what I feel it was written um, about and why. Um, and, and I'll get to that in a, in a moment, but I, I'm, I'm so glad to finally have that link that it's closed. I've got a praise chorus. It's locked in my brain. <laughs> I'm never going to have to flounder again when somebody says, hey, what's that one song? Is that even at 25, you got to start sometime. Well, that is a praise chorus. You had mentioned this when you spoke with uh, with our guest, Davey Von Bolen. I mean, you're looking at the title of, of this. You're going to know who we, who we talked to. It wasn't until, same situation, it wasn't until later to where I saw the track listed on, and it must have been Spotify, it wasn't even the earlier ones that I was looking at, like iTunes or um, Ardio. It was on Spotify that I saw featuring Davey Von Bolen, and, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh, that's cool. I um, I didn't know w- what the association was, how he was involved in this, what part he played in it, if it was just musical, if it was just his lyrics, or I don't know what it was. So listening to this track and, and looking through the, the, the notes on this and, and his involvement in the song and that, that he actually has part of the bridge, that he will come in and sing this. I totally thought this entire song was Jim. That we, I know that we've talked about Rachel, um, Rachel Hayden, Hayden yeah. um, on here and that, that she has several songs over several albums involvement. But there's like, like let's say Davey Von Bolin's on this one track. But he's had a life, not a lifetime, but he's had some prior um, experience with the band and the individuals in this band and uh, an actual life lived outside of just like, hey, let's pick up this Davey Von, Von Bolin guy. Like, no, he was introduced um, through Christy Front Drive. Um, yeah. It was and you know what's a, crazy? A little matchmaking thing, like you had said. Is I was listening to um, Growing up, Washed Up Emo. Washed up emo. Um, and it was the second Jim Adkins episode, and it had the lead singer of Christy Front Drive and... At one point, they talk about the the singer from Christy Front Drive is on Static Prevails, and I have no idea where. I have to look at the liner notes. Um, and when we get to that song, I'm sure right. we'll uncover it. But I was just like, it's interesting that this one track says with Davey Von Bolin as opposed to like the one that says like with Rachel Hayden or with the guy from Christy Front Drive or, you know what I mean? Right. Because uh, he was in a pretty big at the time. I mean, it was still, he was in the promise ring at the time, right? Uh, at the time, yes. Yeah, I, I don't know. I know that Rachel Hayden was in a band too. Uh, okay, but she was in That Dog. I don't know how big That Dog was compared to. I feel like That Dog played the Michael and Carly benefit concert at the Palladium with Weezer and Jimmy World, and for some reason, I feel like that's how she got hooked up with them. But I don't know that for sure. It was an eye opener for me to hear him finally. <laughs> To my for my brain to unlock <laughs> yeah. the fact that that's not Jim, even though the part of my brain said there's somebody that sounds different. But then again, you know, you, you, you what I was trying to say was that it was Tom singing, and that was what my brain was figuring out is that oh yeah, this is definitely Tom singing on this this track. It's just a little bit different, or it's it's uh, it's Jim singing in a different voice. Maybe he's pushing a little bit harder. Um, yeah. Then it all came together once I once you know. I put all the pieces together of this. Sorry, just real quick. That dog did perform at that concert at the palace. I said the Palladium, mm-hmm. the palace now known as the Avalon. This one was produced by Mark Trombino. And this, and it, correct me if I'm wrong, but is this the last album that Mark Trombino produced with them? Um, uh, until Invented, right? Right. So yeah. he stops after this, and then it's a, a... He didn't do Futures. He started Futures with them. Right, and they had and a And then conflict. there was a falling out. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, and I have down that it was recorded at two different locations. I wish I could tell which location, not that it really matters, but which location this right. track was recorded at. But I've got Cherokee Studios and Hard Drive both in Los Angeles. I think, though, Cherokee Studios was like uh, Los Angeles proper. And then Hard Drive, which still exists, is in uh, North Hollywood. So probably nearby. Oh. Uh, maybe where you're at. I, I, I can't. Uh, you know, I'm in Sherman Oaks, but yeah. yeah. Okay, kind of. I mean, it's it's probably like a 10, 15 minute drive from where uh, from where you're at there. But this, so I, you know, I can't tell which studio this one was recorded at. But need to need to read that at Cherokee Studios. Let's see the prominent clients listed for this location: Tom Petty, David Bowie, Motley Crue, Harry Nilsson, Bonnie Raitt, Frank Sinatra, Ringo, Weird Al Yankovic, and then Warren Zevon. Never heard of him. Uh huh. <laughs> And then Michael Jackson and, and several others. But who was it? Where where did I read this? Um, in his autobiography, Beatles producer George Martin dubbed Cherokee Studios the best studio in America. Oh. There you go. So I don't know which... which I assume it's on Cherokee and Hollywood, but Cherokee and what? Melrose and Van Ness. I don't know if they've if they've moved, so maybe they weren't on Cherokee. Um, right, right, right by the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Very close, yes. Yeah, wow, that's like right in the heart. Where I saw Jim Atkins play solo after the Santa Barbara show. At the the, the cemetery? Yeah, he played in the, uh, there's like a, I want to say it's a mausoleum, but I don't think it is. It's just like a chapel there. Um, but yeah, it was that's a That's also show. where they have like a, the Dia de los Muertos uh, event, right? It's it's actually a pretty, That would make sense. I've never gone because I always worry it's going to be too crowded and crazy. Yeah. And also, I want to say, don't they have? Didn't they have movie nights there where they had? Uh, they, those do happen on the lawn. Yeah. Um. Pretty. This show was place indoors. For a cemetery. Yeah. Right. <laughs> this this was a sh- this was an indoor show where I saw Jim. Yeah. Uh, Hard drive, however, is still um, up and running in North Hollywood. Um, both have Yelp reviews, which is crazy to think that these you know these twenty year old. <laughs> these bands that, that 20 years years ago and these places have just a handful of Yelp reviews now so it's like uh it, it's a new era that that these um they have not only recording space but they also have practice space rehearsal space which is cool yeah. that's what something that you and me and and my friends that play we look for is affordable re- rehearsal space right exactly I, I, all... I, uh, in north hollywood my go-to place is amp amp <laughs> shout out to amp huh and yeah. I can't remember They're which on one this is. We're it s- looks not far from this place, actually. And, oh, the one that I go to is PA Rehearsal Studios uh, on Reseda. So AMP and nice. PA Rehearsal Studios, two two great um, rehearsal <laughs> spots. And you, you just want to place, the, the place that we went to last time, PA Rehearsals, the guy, we walked in and he was, uh, we got the room right by him and he kind of, gave, hey, I heard you guys playing some Sublime in there. That sounded pretty good. Knew what he was doing. <laughs> he, you know, he was in the business for a while. Now he got into the uh, the ownership part of it. So I have a question about this. I don't know if you looked into this with this track. So a praise chorus came. It was track two of 11. So this comes after Bleed American, which that's Correct. two heavy hitters in a row. Yeah. For some reason, because I, I, I don't revisit this album a lot because it's like ubiquitously perfect. Um, but when I was listening today after Bleed American, my head went to your house right away. And yeah. it was very like jarring to me that it went to end a praise chorus like yeah. so quickly like it's kind of like no 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 don't put down your uh your your red bull yet this is going to this is going to get intense yeah so let me let's especially let's with ahead. the four count in right let's go go to that so that was uh i don't know if you wanted to discuss this with our um our intro 
but you had not only taken the bit from uh, from Charlie, but you had enhanced it by throwing the four count in that little hi hat count in that Zach has. Yeah. With our little the so, bit that he had, and, and then a, an ending, right? Yeah, you had you had found a few good places that we could use, and then I chose that section, I think, and then because we had visuals to go along with it, I knew that it was from a praise chorus. Yep. So I thought it would be cool to have the four count into it, and then I did a trick we always do at work where I put like a reverb track and I put the final hit on the reverb track and, and let it play uh, out and let it. Yeah. Um, because yeah, uh, it's uh, David from growing up punk said is like, this hurts my eyes. Um, <laughs> when he watched the YouTube patches that uh, Charlie did, there's not like a definitive start or stop to anything. It all kind of flows into each other. Right. So I kind of like just made a little phrase. Um, yeah. And, and it works. Uh, yeah. I can't, yeah, especially I like it because you can kind of like start the four count in before like you're done talking and then let the hit hit. And then while it rings out, you can talk under the the ring out. Yeah. So and we may, you know, who's who's to say that it stays around since we're 20 in, you know, we're. Uh, That's right. It, it may it may uh, switch up a little bit. Um, so we've got that little count in the four count in, and then it just goes into the guitar. It layers in so well, it comes in with Zach's drums and then it's got Jim or Tom's guitar. I can't tell. And then everything comes in for the first beat. And, and that includes Rick's bass and it goes, bo do 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 do. And they start with, are you gonna live your life wondering? Yeah. It's such a, like it, it's a, you know what? Did you know that this song was playing? You know what? It's already started. You're too late. <laughs> By the time you figure out what's going on, it's kind of like they're into the into the verse and starting on this. And I think that really speaks to about speaks about what that song represents. Um, and and you could look at the lyrics and Are you going to live your life wondering, standing in the back looking around? Going back to to song meanings, everyone kind of says the same thing. It's it's uh, it's just it's a get up off of your ass. And yeah, and stop being a wallflower. There's there's no better time than now. And it, even at the end of that second part, where you, or it gets to the second half of that first verse, but it just says, even at 25, you got to start some time, man. There is no yep. no better time than right now. Or you could look at it as it's never too late. Like you might think at 25, if it didn't happen for you, it's not going to happen. And it it's more uplifting than that. Like, I almost feel like this is a version of the middle for in your twenties, especially he hits 25, the middle of your twenties. Um, but lyrically it's very similar to the middle, but But maybe like a more rockin' more adult version of it. Yeah. Yeah. This is, that one was more, um, a pop, even the video for the middle, you know, it's, it's definitely, it's got the party vibe going on. This one I feel like is centered around a live show where the band is up yes. there, they're living their best life. There's people in the audience that are experiencing this. They're hearing the music. It's not, and, and it's kind of one of those cyclical things where not only are the lyrics speaking to the people in the audience, but it invigorates them to maybe start their own band or start their own new life or get out of that show and go, man, I really want to play guitar. 
And they get that all through, honestly, in the first verse. They just knock it out in eight lines. If you're looking at the track title, A Praise Chorus, and, you've, and you're trying to, now let's, this is the first time you're listening to this track, and you're trying to just digest what they have said in verse one, then they slow it down a little bit for I'm on my feet, I'm on the floor, I'm good to go. Which is such a cool little, when they've got the, the palm-muted guitar playing oh, through that. so good. It is so yeah. good. This was the first time that I felt it was okay to dance to rock music. Like, I guess, you, you, you know, that's like, that's what, like, rock music was, dance music in the 50s. Um, and the, uh, maybe a little bit in the 60s. But, like, this song makes you want to dance. And the best live videos of it, Jim is dancing at the microphone and it's like fuck that guy's cool <laughs> like <laughs> he's doing that little sort of left right trot thing because he's got to stay yeah at the mic. yeah but he's he, there's even a couple videos where like he outstretches his arms and he does like like the come here fingers <laughs> like when he's like all i need is just to hear a song i know like oh oh and that's actually a great line because that one sets it up for what we get toward the end but correct it's like i just want to hear a song i know and not only does it do they do they literally go through songs that that are poignant, but it's it it, it speaks to people that you know what this this could be a new song, um, and maybe it's it's a new band, but they it's these songs that we know and we feel comfortable with that when we hear one that's common to us, it just gets us going. You know, it's just it's got that uh, that familiar familiarity with us when we go to listen to this track. Um, if it's live or if it's in the car and it just you gets you singing along with it. Um, but there's going to be yeah. something that brought you into that. And it's, that's going to be that familiar song if it was that uh, the single that got you into that or if it's something else. But beautiful. and I guess because we're doing our first Bleed American track, we can talk about it a little bit. The sort of fuck it attitude that went into recording this record because they overthought, not overthought, because obviously Clarity is a fucking masterpiece, but that they very much through everything, including the kitchen sink at the wall with clarity. And it paid off, maybe not in record sales. That's why they were dropped by capital, but they kind of were creatively spent. Right. And when you hear them talk about the songs on this record, uh, specifically on the believe, believe in what you want DVD, um, they talk about just wanting to make a rockin' record. They're doing it on their dime. Uh, uh, it, Mark Trombino's working for free, so they're not overthinking a lot of things. They're just writing fun rock songs. Like, they even touch on how, like, a song like The Middle was a joke um, because they were like, this is ridiculous. When they played the breakdown to get it faster in rehearsals, they would laugh. They couldn't even make it through the whole thing because it just sounded so funny and ridiculous to them. And even this song, like, it's got a crazy dancey, uh, like, I guess, would you call it the chorus? Like, where is the chorus land in this song? Um, I'm on my feet. I'm on the floor. It's what's labeled on genius. It doesn't really explode there. It actually sucks back a little bit where it's palm muted guitars, sick bass, and just all toms and snare. Right. Like, tom kick snare. It really sucks back as opposed to gets bigger. Like the verses sort of act as the chorus in this song. Specifically, right. the pre-chorus acts as the chorus of this song. Right. And then you've because got... Because that's... 
Well, well, they do a good yeah. job of building. So with the verse one, they come in. It, it's a strong start. They've got the, the what I was telling, talking about with the build of the drums, then into the guitar, and then with the with Rick's bass coming in. Um, but it seems like it's one guitar down there. Then they go to the chorus, like you said. It's a break. It's they kind of pause a bit, and then with verse two, not only do they come with two guitars and and full force. But they start with "Are you gonna live your life with harmony?" So it's him and Tom, yes. and that yep. just that's like this. This is when we've opened up the throttle and we are just going. <laughs> yes, and that's what that's usually what you do in a chorus is really build it up. Now I guess that's not true because you always want your second verse to sort of like build upon what you've already set up. But yes, it's like the first verse comes out swinging so hard they suck it back at the chorus, and then the second verse like explodes compared to everything that had come before it, as opposed to like where you're trying to have the second verse make up for coming after such a catchy, bigger chorus. This, like you said, is, is just on an upward trajectory. Right. So then they go into the chorus a second time and I I can't tell, uh, I didn't listen to it this closely if they do, uh, because at this point, Zach's got this sort of, um, this Tom, you know, the Tom thing with the the sort of uh, the side stick on the snare kind of uh, that's driving it. Um, I don't know if that's any louder in the second chorus compared to the first chorus. I kind of went back and forth today and I don't think it is different. I think it's just the harmonies yeah. make up so much of the volume and not uh, loudness volume, but like the the girth of the sound. Right. Right, and then they come off of that um, from "I Want to Fall in Love Tonight," and they they hit. It just seems like they hit all of the, I mean, all of the tropes of a live show when you're experiencing it as as a patron, as somebody listening in the audience. It's kind of like there's so much. I've, I'm out here at a live show. I'm listening to my favorite band. I'm getting going because they're playing these songs that I know. Um, I'm dancing. Could even be dancing. Uh, but it just gives you so much, uh, I don't know if it's, if it's going to be strength, suggestion, whatever it is, but by the end of it, it's kind of like, I just, you know, what would cap this off and it's, I want to fall in love tonight. It's like they hit every one of those little check marks on this like perfect night for, for just rocking out and and enjoying yourself and being who you are as a person. And that's how they cap that second chorus right before they come into the bridge, which is what the most, for me, that's the most memorable part of it. I know that Lindsay said she, her, her biggest memory is I'm on my feet. I'm on the floor. I'm good to go. But my part that I remember from this track before I knew what it was called, a praise chorus was crimson and clover over and over. Right. Were you familiar with the original track that it's being referenced there? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. and I that was the only one that, at the, the time that I heard this, let's say that I heard this in the early 2000s, like maybe a year, I don't know if I listened to it right when it was released in July, I, I knew that Crimson and Clover was um, the Ch- Tommy James and the Shondells track, and there was also the one from Joan Jett and the Blackhearts that she had done. I had heard hers, and then later, way before I had heard this Jimmy Eat World track, then I heard the Tommy James and the Shondells and I want to say it was on something like K Earth that I heard it. And I, that's yeah, got to totally. be the, the songwriter um, for this. That was the only track. Every other, you know, we can go down line by line in this little bridge, but that was the only uh, reference to another song that I knew of at the time in, in the early 2000s. So what's the, I mean, we can go down this. So we've got Crimson and Clover over and over, which is the bridge. And then it's a really cool little um, cadence here with, 
with how Davey brings in his line and then Jim kind of sings the line underneath. Yeah, so what's funny is I remember when I heard the Tommy James version and I was kind of like, oh, well, this isn't as catchy as the Jimmy World version. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, the way that Davey sings it is more melodic and... uh I don't know, kind of cooler, I guess. And then he goes into Our House, um, which, I mean, is a song I feel like most people know um, by Madness. And I remember when I don't, I can't imagine I didn't pick up on the Crimson and Clover part. Um, But when I heard Our House in the middle of the street, I was like, oh, that is unmistakably a reference to something. And that's cool. Because I'd never heard, I don't think, a band do that before that's not obviously not to say it had never been done before this was my first exposure to a band referencing something else i'd known of and what's funny is like i remember when i got this album i was like oh, i'll bet the authority song is fucking sick and <laughs> that is literally a complete lift of another song called authority song which i guess makes sense as to why you would have thought this song would be Crimson and Clover. Why not? They already named another song a the authority song. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then Why Did We Ever Meet? That's a promise ring song, which I was not familiar with, obviously, when I first heard this song. Right. Um, uh, I think I'm sure it was much more difficult to, to do in 2002, um, 2001, 2002, to like go find all these songs and listen to them. But I remember making notes uh, about what they were and then you know probably 10 15 years later hearing each of the songs in there uh you know what i didn't look up did anybody ever cut a youtube video of just the references no but oh no i don't maybe i I will for this week's uh episode (laughs) yeah and you know what so crimson and clover um, that was that, and I think it was just because I had heard that song before. None of the other lines in that bridge triggered anything other than "Don't, don't, don't let's start." And it, kind of similar to how you said you were labeling these or writing these down, that was the one at the time that I had searched and found. And I want to say like this: I felt like I was, you know, on the cusp of some kind of breakthrough. With oh man, I'm looking way deep into the song. This has probably got to be 2004, 2005 when I found this and it was, it, it was the don't let's start from they might be giants. Right. So you were already familiar with that at song that time, but I didn't know. And w- I wasn't familiar with it. What, what a fucking cool guy. What, what, <laughs> um, so this is it was I, that line of all of those in the bridge. That's the one that's, that was the one that stood out to me the most. I, even though started my rock and roll fantasy and why did we ever meet? And even our house in the middle of the street, didn't trigger any kind of other, I don't know, it seemed off for Jimmy Eat World, but it didn't It didn't make me want to think like, oh, are they referencing another song? So I look at Don't, 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 Let's Start. I was listening to A Birdhouse uh, In Your Soul. Uh, that was my first They Might Be Giants song. And then I realized, oh, they have another song called Don't Let's Start. And that's what it was. None of the other lyrics above or below that. Even kickstart my rock and rolling heart. Wow, kickstart my heart. Yeah, didn't I know. Uh, and I didn't even hear that song until I probably uh, you know you hear it yeah, exactly. And now it's on <laughs> it's on my jogging track. But uh, before that, it was one of those tracks where it was kind of on. It was a cool song. I never listened to the lyrics and realized that that was Motley Crue. Oh, and then this all comes together now with all of these tracks stacked right there in just the bridge. 
I don't want to say too much because we talk about it a lot in the interview, but it's a great multi-generational jukebox of eclectic jams. So again, to go down, Crimson and Clover by Tommy James and the Shondells, Our House by Madness, Why Did We Ever Meet by The Promise Ring, Rock and Roll Fantasy by Bad Company, Don't Let's Start, They Might Be Giants, All of My Everything's The Promise Ring, and Kickstart My Heart by Motley Crue. That's it. It's 18 seconds of his bridge that that comes in here, and it's such a different, it's such a breakaway, and partially because after I Want to Fall in Love Tonight, they do that, that um, the token um, Jimmy Eat World, that little, uh, just the guitar sitting there for one measure that's separating you from, okay, pause for a second. We're going into something else. And then in this case, it's not nothing really hard, but they change the, they change it up to where they've gone from the story that they're telling you about um, not, not really, you know, not wasting one minute of your life dance when you can. Uh, What are you going to do with your life to this pause for one measure? And then they come into this crimson and clover breakdown kind of a thing which is a total bridge and a lot of people you know that christian james han on the podcast that i listen to with him breaking down music is like this is something that bands don't do anymore is they don't throw bridges in there willy-nilly um you know it's it's like this is really this is a a very well-structured song um where even though the bridge is a little bit of a breakdown it's still got it's it's basically feeding you the little pieces of like you'd said it's like a, a, a generational playlist and then it explodes into the final chorus um where he switches up to so come on davy sing me something that i know i think and that then is so cool and and what when you messaged me today were you remarking about how the lyrics says so come on baby yeah, so I was uh, I on my drive home I had the song on uh loop and I just put it up in lyrics mode cuz I was like on Apple Music you can have it so it follows the lyrics like karaoke almost and who knows where they source the lyrics from? I'm sure it's not from official sources. Right. But the fuck the damn lyrics on uh Apple Music say so come on baby sing me something that I know. Right. But isn't that cool though cuz Davey's not going to sing that. It's like so come on Davey. That's that's me. I always thought it was really cool. In fact, the first time that I had heard that that portion, I thought, "Oh, did they miss? Did they miss um, record this? Like, did he mispronounce? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they, maybe he so, was singing a different. Yeah, baby line. fits there for sure. Yeah, right. I probably only thought I probably only thought it was baby the first time because on K Rock they would talk about that line a lot, and I talk about that in the interview a little bit. Um, right, but isn't that so cool I think though I that was, they both say the line? Yeah with um with intent and it's come on baby come on Davey oh but it's so cool because it works out so well it's got this the same it you know it's the same syllables it's the it, and it, Davey and baby have the same um the phonetic yeah. s- sound but it's just so cool and, and if you really listen to it you hear it if you're listening to it passively like I was in the past it kind of sounds like oh maybe he just uh maybe they, they this was a good take and Jim was saying move instead of baby and he mixed it like maybe like come on baby you know what i mean <laughs> and then you you find out later that no this was with full intent it's come on davy because davy von bolen is definitely bringing the bridge in here and then uh, and then davy sings come on baby but i'm thinking that either that or let's just say that davy had the 18 seconds before so that so wait sorry what where does davy say come on baby and it may not be davy cuz let's say he's got the 18 seconds it's got to be tom so, but but it's uh, where is sorry? I'm just this is looking in the chorus the outro. So right in the very end, when he says, "I'm on my feet, I'm on my floor, I'm good. To, I'm on the floor, I'm good to go." 
And then the yeah, second so line come is, on, so Davey. come on, Davey, sing me something that I know. When you listen to the track there, it you could I I distinctly oh, hear pull so it come up. on, Let's Davey. Hear it. Oh, hey, look, I got the bridge. Yeah. Listen to it, it sounds like Davey. <laughs> I love when they change that this was Mind Park Live. Yeah, Zach. Man, and they got that little, uh, the retard at the end. I swear. And obviously, I swear another I was Rookie of the Davey. Year song. I gotta cut a Rookie of the Year video for this one. <laughs> <laughs> Every one of these Jimmy World tracks has got some kind of rookie of the year sitting inside, a gem. Yeah. So listening to it that time, it, it sounded like they just doubled the vocals and said, um, Davey, I must have been in my head hearing baby. <laughs> Crazy, huh? Yeah. And man. whoever put together those lyrics apparently heard the same thing. That's right. I think it's an easy thing. To, like, wh- why would you think it was anything else? Such a rock and fun song. They, yeah. Of course, he says "baby." Especially when you don't um, know who's singing on this track. You're listening to the the CD in your in your uh, whatever CD player, and you have no idea that Davy Von Bolin's on this track. Yeah, Davy Von Who? <laughs> Speaking of which, I've seen a lot of different capitalizations of his name. So on the Spotify, another another. Um, Another mark against Spotify. So Davey Von Bolin has Davey, and then this his second name, or his surname, is Von Bolin with a capital V, all one word. V-O-N-B-O-H-L-E-N. Lowercase B, I, all one word then. But all, all together. It's all one word, right. Von so, Bolin. It, and in the artwork, it's Von Bolin, one word. However, it, on the song, it's... Uh, that Davy Von Bolin is credited to voice, mm-hmm. but it's Von Bolin all lowercase because the the style on the album art right. is lowercase. or the liner notes is all lowercase. But on the back, at least on the deluxe album that I'm looking at right now, and I think I have the regular scanned in too somewhere. I'll look at it. But he's Von Bolin, capital V, capital B, but still one word. Right. And then if you just Google his name, it's Von Bolin, lowercase v, space, capital B, Bolin. Right. So you know where I went for my the, the final say in this? Can you, Tell me. Can you guess? LinkedIn. Because <laughs> that, oh, that's you where go. you're 100% oh, that's in right. control. And there we go. Davey Von Bolin, DVB. So it's Davey Von, uh, you know, the second, uh, the first part of his surname, Von Bolin. So DVB are all capitalized. It's all spaced out. Uh, so that's the proper pronunciation or proper spelling, rather. Uh, Spotify is way off. If you look online, there's different variations of the Vaughn. I guess you can say Vaughn because isn't Vaughn um, a Dutch? Uh, or is that Van? Uh, maybe. Van is Dutch. That's your Vaughn is something else. I think Vaughn might be German. Whatever. Not Germanic, a big deal. yeah. Yeah. 
Anyway, so I just wanted to make sure that I was I was uh, writing it correctly in my notes. So capital V for you. <laughs> and then, Sorry, and then the, the very final part of this song is it's beautiful. It's like I want to I want to feel like part of this was mine. Uh, I want to fall in love tonight, here tonight. And what were you saying about the live version of this? Oh, uh, uh, I want to always feel like this was mine. Like they, they really they hit totally, the this they, and the was. They, they accentuate those for sure. Yeah. So that was it. I just wanted to mention that. I did notice, so I'm reading through the liner notes now. Um, not only do they thank Davey Von Bullen on the back, but they said thank Mark Hoppus and Tom DeLonge. And of of Blink One Eighty Two, they think they might be giants, and everyone at DreamWorks. Special thanks to Madness. Okay, so my analysis of this is not a simple live your life song. It's like I had said earlier. It's like just get off your ass, stop being a wallflower, uh, enjoy the music, let it guide you, and rock on. Yeah. Well, I think there's life advice, and then in the middle eight, it uh, goes into like just shut up and dance. Like this is this shut up and dance with me of two thousand one. This like, could absolutely be, man. But definitely yeah. more adult, I think. You had mentioned this being uh, the rookie of the like a rookie of the year contender. What I was gonna say was that Susie had said something in your interview the other day where she talked about that song uh, being. She could feel it being in like a John Hughes film. This I could totally. St- you know, there's those portions of the the part of the movie, the resolution, where in a John Hughes film, it just seems like it's the comeuppance. It's where they they are finally winning, and yeah, I totally feel like this is playing somewhere. It could be in the record store. It could be like all when over. in Weird Science, when Gary is dropping off the girl at her house, and he's still like driving that awesome Porsche. Except he's got to go back to the house where like the missile is through the kitchen and all that stuff. But like he's got this <laughs> moment, moment with this girl, and it's a nice tender moment before he has to go back and try to fix all this stuff. Yep, that type of moment. Exactly. That's how I. That's yeah. where I feel this fitting in is in that kind of film where it's just this this time when this. This lower portion of people, or the in, in the movie, it's like the the person that needs to to find their um, I don't know what it would be, but they need they need to they need to fulfill themselves in some way, and that they hear this song, they hear a praise chorus, and that is what drives them to just be happy with whatever happens after the scene is over. Um, that's where I hear this song. Play. Oh yeah. Even better. This is so. This is in "Take Me Home Tonight" when um, Topher Grace finally rides that ball down the hill, and he, he like sucks it up, and he does that thing that he was scared to do. Yeah, that's the scene. Yeah. Have you seen that movie? Uh, no, I haven't. But I mean, the way okay. that you sent Topher Grace this is riding a ball for, down a hill. This is homework for everybody listening to the pod. I'm so drunk right now. Um, this is homework for everybody <laughs> listening to the pod, especially you, Justin. Watched Take Me Home Tonight. It was shelved by the studios for like six years before it actually got released. It's the perfect lost John Hughes movie. It's written and directed by Topher Grace. It's a love letter to the 80s. It takes place in the 80s. Anna Ferris and Chris Pratt met on this movie. And uh, uh, yeah, it's a great, great picture. So absolutely saw the, um, the, the trailer for this. I don't remember where it yes. was at this at this time. So this is 2011. I don't remember if this was still when we were watching uh, DVDs and they still had the previews beforehand. Definitely saw it. Oh it, yeah, but, uh, like you'd said, like they they shelved it. It went off my radar because it was never 
uh, you know, it was never put in front of me. I've, yeah. And I think I went opening the, night. I was so excited for it. <laughs> one and a half out of five stars. So 27% rating Shush. on Rotten Tomatoes, which is, which just doesn't say Ugh, wrong. I mean? It's unfortunate. Well executed. There's a Suncoast video with a back to the future poster. I mean, could you ask for anything more? Yeah. <laughs> right. Did you, now did you so anyway, happen this to, song. yeah. Did you happen to come across the AV club article? Which it's is possible, but I don't know. Uh, yeah. Uh, so this one is titled, so it's uh, AV Club uh, from uh, 2010. And there's a there's quite a few contributors to this. So I imagine that these are several um, uh, contributors or authors or freelancers for AV Club at the time. But the title of this article is Davey, Sing Me Something That I Know, 28 Songs That Mention Other Songs By Name. Oh, I did see that and article. Isn't that yes. cool that of 28 songs in this article from a decade ago, uh, they pick... I mean, whomever decided on the title of the, this this melange of uh, writers, Davey, sing me something that I know. And let me go back down to it. So Davey, this is a song, they actually put it as in the songs 9 and 10 for Jimmy World, a praise chorus and the authority song. And they mentioned Davey Von Bolen. They spell it wrong with the lowercase v. Uh, but they go in <laughs> to say uh, that... Uh, in addition to being tour mates, Jimmy Rolled in the Promise Ring were a couple of late 90s emo best bets for mainstream success, though at the time, most people had their money on the latter, which is odd because now Jew, or they say then Jew, of course, was the one that struck gold with Bleed American. And um, and as I was looking down at, at, and researching that, I know that they that, that the Promise Ring fell on some, some hard times for production because Davey was actually out which may have played into why they didn't stick with it. But, um, but it, the, the fact that this whole album or this, this article was titled with uh, come on babe, Davey, sing me something that I know was actually kind of cool. I thought that was the, was nice. That, that is they, pretty cool. So come yeah. on Davey, sing me, sing me something that I know later on in the album, the emo goes sock hop. And then they, they referenced the authority song um, uh, joining in the name checking fun with John Cougar Mellencamp's authority song. Uh, where they talk about Jesus in the Mary Chain and the Velvet Underground's What Goes On. But we'll talk about that when uh, the uh, the Authority song comes up. Yeah. So that was it. Uh, that was the only other article that I had to bring up. Um, the only other thing that I wanted to talk about with, uh, with as, as re- in regards to my notes. I did have something from the community about this one. Oh, yeah. Let's hear. So this was from a post one year ago by Ethan Burke. And the title of it was a uh, praise chorus demo version. Now, did I ask oh, you about yes, this? Yes, the yes. demo Let version had it, it comes on. I'm I'm picturing this in my mind. It's an album cover with uh, a red backing and then a sort of off white beige picture of what I'm assuming is Arizona right on the cover. But I looked in in the notes. I think it was on Discogs. This came out that that the single. Or when that that song was released on its own record was like two or three years later. Uh, this is titled "Released October 8th, oh, I see it. 2002. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yes. this was not it was not four years later. This is this is um, a year and f- four months later. This is when "A Praise Chorus" was the fourth single. This is when it became the fourth single for this album. Mm. I'm assuming, right? So it says single. It wasn't the demo. Um, it wasn't a later. This is just the single by Jimmy World. And when you look at the original page for uh, Bleed American, and you look on there, uh, the fourth single for that album is a praise chorus. So that is when this one shows up. I was going to say that uh, the track listing for this, the single uh, from the album Bleed American. Uh, so whatever this release was, 
It says the track listing is the middle slash a praise chorus Australian tour EP. So this it, maybe this is the EP cover, uh, and this is the middle a praise chorus uh, Bleed American, which was a live recording from the 930 Club in Washington D.C. of O2. So less than a year later, and then Firestarter they put on this one, and then the middle in acoustic. Yeah, I think this was like a DreamWorks push to put all this different content out at that time. Yeah, because I was just uh, in terms of like so many different. Um, yeah, I thought it was all going to be blocked or blocked into the uh, the Bleed American album on Wikipedia, but then you see these offshoots. When I searched for Praise Chorus, and I saw, oh, this has got its own Wikipedia page. I thought something else is up. Especially since this was released um, over a year later. Was there a question? Sorry, regarding no, the no, no, no question. The- I, I did. I, I think okay. I had figured it out that it was a, it was the single, and part of that was answered when I looked at it earlier today, and I saw that there were four different singles that were um, iterated out um, over time for Bleed American, and the fourth did you check one, Discogs? Yeah, but Discogs for me, man, is just so it just seems so convoluted. I I didn't have anything else for the community. Just that that post about let me go back to it. You know what we should do though? Huh? You mentioned the demo though. We should play the a bit of the bridge from the demo because it's both hilarious and uh, and um, awkward. All right, here we go. I'm gonna try it. Well done. I mean, they're selling it. So yeah, you can tell you can tell they're really trying to make that work and trying to make it build, but it's just not enough. <laughs> the comments on there, aside from ours, which says, uh, "What do we say?" This is so sick. Aside from that, it just uh, Laurent uh, so that that bridge is bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> And then why like, not what Minnesota? What is it even meaning? The context of the song, like yeah, exactly. It just, a- oh, I, no, no, no. I know what it means. He, it, the song is about taking action, so he's saying like fast action. Come but on, fast come action on. is such a weird. I mean, of of two words put together, that doesn't say. It just seems <laughs> like they picked like fast. Yeah, action. you could say act faster. You could say act faster. Come on, come on. But even yeah, you're right. And get I don't the know. same point across. They, I think they realize this too when they hear the demo and they go, "Man, that fast action shit's got to go." Yeah, the rest of the song is good, but what the hell with the middle part? <laughs> the middle eight, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love that we're talking with such authority that we know about this middle eight. Yeah, I love. I just love the <laughs> fact that I don't have to say bridge anymore. I'm just gonna say middle eight. Now, um, (laughs) this is one of those tracks where it's a huge Jimmy World song. So there's an inordinate amount of covers of this. And I always, you know, I, I, there's so too many, I went through SoundCloud and there were almost too many to just go through some crappy ones. Um, I, I was almost looking for the ones that made more of a, I don't know, they, they were different. You know, we talk about the the covers being sort of unique in their own way. Yes. Uh, there were a few. Did you have any that you wanted to uh, highlight? 
this evening. I'm sort of going through it. Before we hit covers, maybe uh, I'm going to send you a YouTube link. YouTube user Scott, Scott, Scott. Um, this is October 16th, 2007. Uh, obviously go, you know, two thirds of the way in. Let me so, see when okay, David walks let's out. Let's jump on this one. This uh, is I've got be... it right here. It's a uh, go to 222. Okay. Let me... Oh boy. All right. That's going to be Oh yeah. This gonna... is potato gonna... quality. This is 2007. Maybe a cell phone. All right. You said what time? Uh, this is, like... is at the will turn. Uh, 222. This is at the Wiltern in Los Angeles, October 16th, 2007. Uh, Maritime was opening for Jimmy World. Maritime's lead singer is Davey Von Bolland. So, uh, along with whoever their touring acts are, get to sometimes come out and sing this with them. Davey came out and sing this on this tour. Okay, let me ramp this one up. And then he runs so off good. He sounds just like the fucking record. <laughs> he sounds so good. Doesn't miss a beat. So good. I think if you jump to the end, Jim is like, Davey Von Bolin, everybody. But he doesn't say much more beyond that. <laughs> Did he say it? Did it just cut off? Did oh. it cut off? It just cut off. Oh, that was crazy. It. I could have sworn he said it. Maybe it was in the other video from my, yeah. From my yeah, nemesis. Yeah, it That was it. So, uh, yeah, that was the only thing I did want to touch on is that, like, I could only find this video and a photo of him doing it at Bamboozle in Asbury Park, uh, New Jersey in 2012 when Promise Ring was playing that he came up and sang it. So, yeah, I do have a couple covers that I think could be worth uh, mentioning unless you have uh, pulled one up. You know, I don't even know if I have any that are worth... Let me look at these uh, real quick. There was... Uh, for SoundCloud, I had a couple. One that I remarked, I think their username was pretty cool, was Wallwank. But there was another one that sounded kind of like a punk version of a praise chorus on SoundCloud from You Vandal. Uh-huh. Did you have that one? Uh, Punk version of a praise chorus. That does not sound familiar to it me. Sounds kind of cool. Let's, let's do a, let's a little it, bit yeah. of it. Okay. So these guys are from Gainesville, Florida. Sounds really good. Uh, that right? sounds super Floridian. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this is another thing I wanted to mention about the the uh, singing this song. You you've got to belt this out in the car, right? Yeah. There's um, no. Oh yeah, of course. How well always the harmony. do you sing the 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 stutter on things and the stutter on s- someone? Oh, not well at all, man. Duh, 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 duh. I can never get it on. I think I just do a duh instead of a. Th- 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 well, I just say good, 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 good. And it's not, there's no G's in there, but that's the only way. It can't go. Th- 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 th. It's so, my, my, my <laughs> timing on that's the, the S's are worst. 
or are the worst. Um, uh, yeah, I can't imagine how Jim does it. I mean, he practices. I can't even say do vocal warm ups for that. Yeah, for sure. But someone's I can't hit those consistently. The thuz, I guess, those are a little bit better. But the s is terrible. These guys did a pretty good job of it. Uvanal was okay. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I thought that was good. I don't know how punk it was. It sounded like yeah. the song to me. Yeah, it um, did. I sent, I sent you one. This made the rounds earlier, uh, or late last year. There's a band called Mayday Parade. Yeah. I don't know a ton about them, but this guy, Derek Sanders, is in it. And he, released, he released a solo acoustic EP, and he co- covered a praise chorus so that we could hear a little bit of that. All right, here we go. Derek Sanders. Are you going to live your life one day? Are you gonna waste your time thinking how you've grown up or how you missed out? The, 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 the things are never gonna be the way you want. <laughs> Sounds Where's good. Where's it gonna get you acting serious? The, the, is there, um, so the top comment on this is from Chad M. The moment you realize it's not that Lancaster, is there another Lancaster that I'm missing? I don't know. Let's see. Let's see. Like, uh, like, e, like, would it be pop punk? Yeah, Lancaster. Lancaster. Like, or uh, Lancaster. I don't know how you you pronounce it, but out here, I mean, in uh, Southern California, you say Lancaster. Best pun- yeah, I don't know. Lanc. Uh, everything's coming up with like Lancaster, PA, and Lancaster, yeah. California. Yeah, uh, Daniel I don't, I don't Lancaster. Know oh, Jason Lancaster. Oh, I see. So. There was a guy who used to be the frontman of Mayday Parade. He left in 2007. His ah, name was Jason Lancaster. There you go. Now, is Jason Lancaster related to Daniel Lancaster? Is that Daniel Lancaster? Daniel. I don't It's Daniel that's in the title of this. I have no idea, um, but apparently not the that same. That guy's from Florida, Jason Lancaster. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. So that must be what that guy, that what that person oh, was Oh, it's his brother, about. so kind of close. Whoa, what? Yep, yep. Nick Wa and Abby May both corroborated this. It's his brother. He's also super talented. Bro Daniel still kicks ass. Uh. Um, so it's his brother, but not the original. So he was like, yeah, you know what? We're not going to go to that guy that left the band. We're going to go to his brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It, I thought it was a good core. Yeah, I thought it was a good um, uh, cover. So the next thing is I came across amazing Real so they did release this entire album instrumentally. So there are some great karaoke videos on YouTube with the actual track in the back that they just timed the lyrics to. However, right. there's really bad sound alikes. However, there's too many to count. So I sent you right. somebody took video of them in the karaoke booth singing is like a group of people. What's it called? Embarrassing cousins is the YouTube user. So yeah. I was like, you know what? Let's give these guys the spotlight. Let's not give right. these like sound alike companies uh who are probably trying to rake in money somehow. Uh Fair let's enough. give the actual artists. So this is embarrassing um, cousins. Here we go. And of course they're singing this part. (laughs) 
baby and a Davy in there, man. Someone's going off memory and somebody's reading. They definitely I, know the song. Yeah, I love those obscure karaoke. You know, they, the people don't do the uh, the token karaoke songs sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Um, so I found two different 8-bit covers, which I was like, oh, we should play these. And here's the thing is I'll put this playlist, I'll put it public as public on our YouTube page if people right. want to go through all these. But I was like, if I found two 8-bits and a 16-bit, we'll just play the 16-bit because that is two 8-bits. So It's the same diff. Yeah. So, it, like, I mean, if you're keeping score at home, I found three different bit <laughs> like bit related tracks bit right rate, yeah track so um so this anyway, is the i don't remember which bit. one i like the most but this is I ben fl 16 bit yeah uh, oh ben fl ben schroeder it, who goes as ben fl i guess this is i'll bet be he's ben from florida loops, but it's for fruity loops oh fruity loops i see all right here we Clever. go so ben fruity loops imagine fighting gemini man your mega man <laughs> Is that a Mega Man? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Mega Man commented on this. What? Yeah. Two years ago said, aha, nice. A Mega Man would say, aha, nice. Mega Man X was one of the best Super Nintendo games. That sounds really okay, good. Okay, so now I gotta get Mega Man X footage. To put up against this, you need to put together an 8 bit playlist with these these new alternative and uh, rock and emo tracks. Oh, and just yeah, play that would it. be fun to like jam in the car. Well, that or just play Mega Man with that instead of the, the actual the sound. Oh, yeah, it, it should be worth noting since we're talking about video game soundtracks that Robin Vining has a video game cover band called the Mini Bosses and they opened at the Futures 10 tour. Um, when uh, wait, Jimmy wait, World's wait, planet. wait, wait, David, and you were at that show. We've talked about it. We talked about this before. We we have mentioned in our conversations. Am I missing this completely? That he is was he always part of the mini bosses? I don't know what his history with the mini bosses is, but he played at the Santa Barbara show that we were both at, and Tiffany Bascow was there. You don't know Tiffany though, do you? No, I don't. I saw but Tiffany I do remember that, and yeah. you and Lindsay in the lobby when we were all like waiting for the bathroom or merch or something. Yeah. Okay. That was well, a great did, show I, just because it was so fun because I saw all these people I knew. Yes. That was Santa Barbara was Velvet Jones. No. No, that was Jim Solo. That show. was Jim Solo. This thing. was Futures 10. Was it not in Santa no, Barbara? It was I Ventura. It was. it was Ventura. Oh, Ventura. I yeah. don't know. It's all north to me. Yeah. Anyway, still <laughs> Tiffany Basco was there. Justin Miller was there. <laughs> Lindsay, yeah. were you guys married yet? Lindsay was uh, there. Well, we had a baby, so yeah, I'm hoping so. <laughs> Whoa, baby. Yeah, we, we were married at that point, yeah. 
Yeah. Sick. Yeah. Lindsay, <laughs> she mentioned that actually when she came on. So she was uh four weeks postpartum with her, with Charlotte. So she was, uh, she Whoa. was a little reluctant to leave her at home. In fact. Oh man. But I'm glad she came out. We got to she see her. What, what, what yeah. she would have missed. Yeah. So that was that. Um, I think there'd probably be like a whole sect of like, um, alt rock kids that would be mad at me if I didn't suggest this Coheed and Cambria cover of a praise course. I have never been a fan of Coheed yet. I feel like I'm an insane minority by that, by saying that. And well, as a guy whose you know? favorite band is blink 182, I cannot get past this guy's voice. I, I don't know what it was about um, a favorite house Atlantic. Uh, it makes me actually think of coffee grounds when I, when I hear a favorite <laughs> house Atlantic, but that is the one Coheed and Cambria song that, uh, but that's res- their big hit. Like if yeah, I go to Apple it. music, that's going to be the one that comes up, right? Right. That's it. Yeah. So, and I listen to this one. This is a good one. Let's listen to this for a bit. I'm going to, uh, skip forward because I know that he talks at the very beginning, right? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually have mine. I'm going to click mine. So mine's got, he's got 17 seconds of intro. But I'm going to ask you this. What kind of other song, other Jimmy World vibe do you get from this, this version of the, or their cover of this song? What type of Jimmy World vibe do you get? Let's listen and I'll tell you. like the quivering of his voice that gets to you it's the shrill high-pitched yeah it gets up there put you on the spot which other jimmy world track and i'll give you this hint we have actually covered this track on our pod oh 10 yes you hit it (laughs) mostly because i remember um how we were like in awe about how jim could play it live and it was so complicated yes it is but you could tell right before he 
um, right before he went in and started doing the lyrics, the way that they had covered this sounded totally like ten up until the maybe verse. maybe it was an intentional nod. Yeah, absolutely. Could have totally come been. on the pod. Yeah, but I totally got a ten vibe from that. <laughs> ten <Yeah>. pole. <laughs> <laughs> Swing. Um <laughs> So the next is I am so proud of myself. I found a ukulele cover. I never find ukulele covers. These are good. This is actually, is this going to be the ukulele a day guy? Uh, I don't know. Is it? Cause we didn't, we say we were going to come back to this guy. This Let's is see. user Neil, Neil star. star. Absolutely. You could daily. 66. Hell yeah. You could yes. daily. You found Hit me him. with it, Neil. All right, man. Here we go. Neil. <laughs> Your life wondering, standing in the back, looking around. Are you gonna waste your time thinking how you've grown up or how you missed out? Hear a second vocal All track. Yep, there's something underneath, man. He must have really liked it and was like, yeah. you know, what? I'm doing overdubs to this shit. <laughs> man, Neil Starr coming in. He's he's our. Uh, He's he's been on two episodes now with the ukulele jams. Hell yeah, Neil! I hope he I hope Neil comes back more. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna give this. <laughs> you know what? Between you and me, between the pod account and my account, we're gonna give him 30 upvotes. What? He is definitely. <laughs> and worthy. you know what? I actually like that ukulele cover. Like, I feel like ukulele covers are usually like kind of like uh like a tongue in cheek thing, right? Um, but I kind of like that shaka bra. Yeah. <laughs> Can we give him a shaka instead of like a? Uh, is that uh, an emoji? Uh, is there an emoji for yeah, a shaka? There is a, a shaka emoji. I'm I'm gonna put it on the comments here. There you go. All right. While All right, I do so that, obviously. So what did we hit it? When was the last time we hit a piano cover? But I love these. Like mostly visually, they're so stunning and uh, jarring. Pass <laughs> key right. piano. So we did it for Firestarter. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. It's a uh, a piano tutorial or something. It's so bizarre. All right, here we go. So this is another syn- synthesia. The same. Uh, it's going to be the same account that we had highlighted for Firestarter. Here we go for Jimmy Eat World appraise chorus piano tutorial. <laughs> As Dennis twenty seventy six says, this is definitely wrong. I don't know. Sounds okay to me. Sounds funny. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me. I wish they did the vocal melody with it. Right. Yeah, yeah. You can sing along to this. 
Although, you know, the guy who runs Passkey Piano is probably like, you know, I hate when people do the vocal melody with the play-alongs. <laughs> I should stop singing along with the covers because that's when our latency shows. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it's all over my headphones. I can't even tell where it is. <laughs> I was listening to Dizzy the other day, and I remember there was a cover on there. Or I didn't remember until I listened to it that there's a cover on there that we both said made us feel dizzy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was one of my favorite comments of yours, and if I could put that into the Hall of Fame comments, oh, okay. David, I absolutely would. I, I, I definitely played a- that so many times. <laughs> and <laughs> um, finally, I finally wanted to get like we didn't like play like a proper acoustic cover like we always get, but this guy was wearing a Blink One Eighty Two shirt, and he. I don't think he's singing in a foreign language, if I'm remembering correctly, but he does have a heavy accent, which I love. Yes, um, and his title says Cover Acústico en Español, so I'm assuming that he oh, is Oh, shit, some so sort he does Spanish. sing it in Spanish. Fuck yeah. I'm so okay. happy right now. Here we go. Oh, what's his name? Hold on. Uh, this is uh, Chad Awario. Hell yeah. All right, Chad Awario. Too. Look at all of those um, scents in the background. It looks like he's got Drakkar Noir. Uh, this guy rules. A canoe. Um, I just commented scents. on his on his video. Te amo, Jesucristo. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Chatawario. That was really good. Oh I was not God. expecting a full um, a full translation. Oh wait, you know what? Fuck song. it. Let's let's hear his Davy part. Okay. Let's do it. I'm going to go up to this. All right, ready? He does. Go. He has, like, his set game is strong. Ooh. Oh, the harmonies are so good.
it's so like I've forgotten that we're already like <laughs> we're actually recording a podcast. The double time, man. Man, I don't know if there's anything else that we should play. <laughs> no, because there's a thing I want to play, but we could play it on the Cautioners episode, which unfortunately isn't part of this block. But yeah, I think we should just head straight into the Davey Von Bullen interview. But yes, people should come back because we have more to say after Davey's interview. So you'll hear Davey's interview, and then we have more that we've found out since Davey's interview. Okay. All right, so what are your final thoughts on this song then, David? Oh, uh, obviously the song completely rips ass. And um, yeah. this is, if, if, if for Jimmy World Tracks, um, if we're looking at this on a volume dial, this is an 11 uh, out of 10. <laughs> this is uh, one that uh, grabs you right away. And just takes you for a ride from the beginning to, to the end. I'm glad they brought Davey Von Bolen in on this. And for what we had learned about this, there's a lot in there. This is a this is a layered um, sort of expose that David and I went through. Uh, the song though is sort of up front, and uh, that's front and center. And they say that you know just get up and get going and make something of yourself and have fun and enjoy music. And I love this song for that. So uh, I guess I'll just say real quick, I. Was very, very, very nervous to interview Davey and uh, the fact that he did it and was so gracious with his time and gave me so much more time than I uh, ever expected. Um, and we probably could have talked for even longer. Uh, uh, I was so happy with how it turned out, except for let me make some profuse apologies. Um, in trying to streamline my workflow, I implemented a cable I found laying around at work, thinking that that was going to be my solution to many things, and it completely botched the audio in this interview. So we have done our best to clean it up. Justin, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, So please, please, please let us know if nothing is clear. Uh, Leave us a voicemail, 484-J-EAT-POD, if you want me to reiterate or clarify something. Uh, And please... Accept uh, my sincerest apologies for the all audio fidelity of Davy's side of the interview. 100% my issue, not his at all. Um, but please enjoy this interview with Davy Bumble. Ladies and gentlemen, from the Promise Ring, Maritime, Cap and Jazz, uh, Youth Sports, your tax guy, Davy Von Bolen. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Not necessarily in that order, I guess. Huh? No, and that was my caveat. I think I even hand wrote that down. Not necessarily in that order. Um, how are you right. doing this fine day? Uh, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. I dropped my kid off at school. Um, I don't. I, I don't expect you to be familiar with the podcast, but we're actually very dad centric. Um, uh, okay. Me and my co-host were both dads. We actually have a lot of trouble merging our schedules to to make the podcast recording work and mostly it's around okay what time are you putting your kids to sleep and i'll try to do the same and then we can record at night (laughs) yeah no that's uh i mean that's been the exercise of being in a band for you know probably the like you know last 15 years so (laughs) that's totally totally familiar with it 
Absolutely. So uh, the the sort of gist of our podcast is uh, that we are a song by song Jimmy World podcast where we sort of extensively go through the history of each song, the album it's on, the production on it and everything like that. And when Greg Simpson reached out to me and said he had a connection to you because I think he wanted to be the guest on this episode. And I was like, well, I had already written like a short list of dream guests. And I was like, I'd love to get Davey Von Bolin on the pod. He's like, you know, funnily enough, I have a connection and he was able to put us together. So thank you to Greg Simpson from this might be a podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Greg, you know, I don't do a lot of this stuff anymore, but um, Greg, I think knows the wife of a guy that I coached basketball with or previously had coached basketball with. And so it's a connection through all of my aforementioned accomplishments <laughs> so it, yeah so it's funny i think and it, I, i'm pretty sure greg is who i'm thinking of he lives in indiana right indianapolis maybe uh that sounds right he uh you were on yeah. his best midwestern podcast a couple years ago yeah that sounds right i think i i really shocked him with honesty like, <laughs> maybe you know like when you're when you're really deep into like the brand and like being who you are like you really get kind of tiptoe around saying too much you know you don't want to upset anyone or sure yeah you know but uh but i don't have any of that so i was telling him a lot of things that were exactly the truth and i think it freaked them out a little bit <laughs> As I recall, that's what i recall is that i was just telling them the exact truth about how i felt about all of all of all of it and, oh that's uh, great it's so funny because i, I were, yeah I did a deep dive of a bunch of interviews and things that you did. And I mean, you're at least consistent with your talking points for sure. Cause I didn't want to try, I tried not to want to rehash things you'd spoken about in the past. And I actually found it specifically on a praise chorus, very difficult to find much of anything of you talking about this particular song. So I was a little more excited cause I was like, Oh great. He, I guess maybe he hasn't spoken a lot about this song and, and we can dig into it a little bit. Well, Shockingly, when people talk about Jimmy World, they rarely want to start talking to me. So, <laughs> so I'm, yeah. I'm telling I'm, you, you are like the fifth name on the list of names that I put together. <laughs> well, there's there's four people in that band. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, so funny. But um, it's I, I, you know, the great thing about doing interviews is, and maybe this doesn't super resonate with what we're talking about, but like over 20, 30 years like the truth kind of changes. So really the stories can change. And I think they're the truth, even if it sounds like I'm changing the, the uh, you know, like when I get asked what songs are about or whatever, I, I think I'm telling the truth, but it's probably changed since I've changed over 30 years. So, you know, it's always a little bit fresh. Oh yeah, no, so true. And, and I even, I, I considered that. I was like, you know, I want to ask him like, how did you choose the songs that you chose to reference and all that stuff? But I'm also like, this was 20 years ago. I don't expect right, yeah. him to remember like exactly where he was. Well, I, I absolutely do. I, re I mean, again, the caveat being like my memories might be shot, but I have really vivid ones of how this all went down. So, so my version of the truth is, you know, really uh, colorful and vivid, whether it's, uh, whether it's the real truth, hard to say. Well, I, I, I mean, mean, like I said, there's not a ton about, you there there's like a couple lines about how you were uh the song was written it was sent to you because they felt like it needed some oomph and they were already name dropping you in the song 
And then you went off and, and wrote a bunch of uh, self-referential and uh, scene referential lyrics to go along with probably in the top five catchiest sections of a Jimmy World song in their entire catalog. <laughs> yeah, super, I mean, yeah, it's super funny just how it, how it like where, where they were in their trajectory is kind of amusing, how it all sort of transpired and... Uh, but yeah, I, I didn't, I mean, I guess we can start sort of in the middle and, and work outward. With a band like Jimmy Eat World, the middle is pretty apropos place to start. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I, I think they had just been dropped when they were recording that record. And they hadn't maybe signed yet to DreamWorks. That's how, again, we'll just go with my, my version of the truth being. That's okay consistent with fun. the research I've done thus far. Right. So they were sort of in a, in a weird uh, in between point, making a record, making a really good record. I think we just, this would have been like summer, kind of end of the summer type of time period. And we had done a spring tour with them where they were playing a lot of these songs. So we were, we were a big fan of, you know, of where they were at. You know, we'd heard the songs every night for, you know, weeks on end. So, um, somewhat, you know, we've been close with them for a long time too. So, so there was, wasn't it wasn't super out of the blue or strange to be to be asked what was uh i think jim had called me but we weren't the kind of especially with jim we weren't necessarily the kind of friends that would like pick up the phone and call each other hmm. but he but he called me like hey we're kind of stuck we've got this middle eight part of a song it needs something everything we put on it is absolutely terrible um <laughs> You want to you want to take a swing at it, and I was like, yeah, of course, it sounds you know it sounds like a blast. So they they like FedExed me, and I think that there was some building, there was some building momentum, some tensions that I was completely unaware of with them, like trying to hurry and get this record out and get the you know get it you know it's in the right hands so mm. that they could sign and and do all the things that they've done since. But I you know of course I completely unaware or uh bit, you know <laughs> you're like cool yeah i guess send me the the song i'll take a look at it right yeah send me this yeah send me the song and I'll, I'll get after it um, so none of that was anything i was thinking about at the time <laughs> but uh so i you know they they fed x me which i thought was a little bit too urgent but they fed x me <laughs> uh see they, they fed x me a package which had a cd and a note and, and a note in it the cd had the song and the note Definitely Jim wrote the note, and it was a page or so long, but it definitely said, hey, just scat on this or something. <laughs> so, so whatever monies I've cost them in the uh, copyright of, of the reference songs or any damage that I've done, oh, it's, sure. certainly, it's certainly a better result than if I had just scat on it. Scat <laughs> So in my in my defense of my legacy, uh, what I what I you can think what you want about what I did, but it was certainly better than uh, uh, than scatting, I think. <laughs> and do you remember what was on? Feelings. Do you remember what was on the track in that spot before? Nothing. It was blank, and I oh, think okay. they purposely sent that so that I could scat upon it. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, I think he also had said, and maybe he said it during the phone conversation too, is that. It feels like it needs something, and then it needs to halfway through. It needs to like build upon that something. So that was pretty much the task. Um, and it's, I mean, it ends up being like, uh, well, later on when they did get signed, and the middle went, you know, 
<laughs> whatever happened. Yeah. When, <laughs> we went on the Billboard charts and everything was great. Um, I, we had never like I had never signed anything like, hey, I'm gonna be on this, you know, vocal, you know, I'm a singer on this album. I just did it, and FedEx did FedEx did back to them, you know. So I do remember them like it ended up being. The way that I got reimbursed was uh, how many seconds the thing was long. And it feels like it's a lot longer than that. It actually is. It's something like 13 seconds. Or oh, something. wow. Yeah, it does feel much longer than that. Yeah, it's not a lot. I, I mean, you can time it out and probably much longer. But that's how I recall the, the on the illegal end being like, well, it's 13 or 18 seconds or whatever it is. So the reimbursement is X. And I, <laughs> I was like, my, my reply was like, well. I mean, I had just asked them to reimburse me for my cost of FedEx. Back to yeah, <laughs> I think I, right. I was like, I think I, I needed seven bucks for the mailing, and I think I spent fifty dollars on the studio time. Oh the, wow! The, yeah, the friend of mine that I I uh, he said, hey, do you have an hour? <laughs> you know <laughs> that we can we can go through this song and lay down a few tracks so that they can check it out. And he's like, yeah, you got fifty bucks, and I said, yeah, you know. So that's how that. So I was like, I think for fifty-seven bucks, I was already in. So whatever. Uh, you know, whatever. I, Anything else you're coming out ahead? Right. When the, when their lawyer was, was called me and was like trying to get me to read something, I was like, I was in for fifty seven bucks. So I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> in for anything anything over fifty seven bucks. But uh, but uh, yeah, so that's another funny aspect to it. But I I mean I think I remember getting it in the middle of the day, listening to it and like singing along to it at home for a little bit. And then awkwardly realizing that it might be my name in that last chorus. They, he didn't even tell you on the phone call before he sent it or in the note no, that you were name dropped. Nope. <laughs> definitely not. Cause I definitely had to call him and I definitely had to ask him outright. Like, Hey, <laughs> is that, I mean, that sounds like my name. And if it is my name, is it me who you're referencing? <laughs> you know, like, which is really awkward if the answer is no. Right. Oh, no, actually, it was the engineer on the... <laughs> right. So, yeah, so it really was a few passes because, you know, I kept stopping it and I didn't listen to, like, the last refrain or whatever for a while. And then it occurred to me, like, oh, maybe maybe I'm getting asked because, I'm, you know, this is, is... He calls me out as soon as that part ends. So, whatever. Um, so that's sort of the fact that, that he said that made me think... You know, so I, mm. you know, I mean, poetically or not, um, that's sort of what led me down the path of singing. I think, you know, because it's singing him something that he knows. So uh, so when we, like, got in the studio, that was kind of the first thing. We're like, oh, look, well, the obvious thing here is to sing. So, <clears throat> and because there needed to be two parts, I was like, well, what if I sang popular music lyrics? And then the other part was my lyrics and so that was sort of how it was all born and then making the melody work and kind of you know using popular lyrics and my own lyrics that kind of made sense to what their lyrics that were already on the track um you know there weren't a ton of reference points that would have worked right. so uh it sort of it led us quickly down that path and then the melody <clears throat> the melody kind of I really don't, that's the one part I don't recall at all. I don't really remember like how the melody was evolved. I mean, it, it happened pretty quickly. I, I think we recorded the whole thing. I didn't really have an idea when we went into the studio and probably did the whole thing from nothing to I think we have it in, a, in about an hour. Wow. 
And that's the way the best yeah, things I mean, happen, sort of, right? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I mean, the guy who the guy who recorded it, uh, his name is Christian Riley, um, and he he recorded some demos for the Parmesan at that point too. So I had had some experience with him, but he was really good. <laughs> he was really good at that. Like, I need twenty seconds of an idea, and I, I did. I actually did another very similar thing with a for a Canadian band called Bad Flirt. Uh-huh. Maybe three, three or four years after that, and we did the same thing. And I actually, I actually think that um, that middle eight that I sang is actually way cooler than the one I did for Jimmy World. But um, I have to check that I, out. I, I didn't I, find that at all. Yeah, it's uh, that for like was almost famous kind of thing. And maybe they, you know, like a Canadian, either from Ottawa, sort of a grunge type of uh, uh, girl lead singer. It's cool, cool band, um, but but they sent me a track as similar, and I'd never even met them and sang on that. <laughs> it's, it's something. I mean, I, in truth, like after doing it, I think I would I would have much more enjoyed if my entire music career was just adding eighteen seconds to pe- other people's music, right? Because yeah, you have no pressure my... of writing the right, song. Yeah, it's super <laughs> fun. Right, there's no like highs and lows. You just pretty much you can do it in a short period of time and move on. Total, you know, ADD style. Yeah. Um, instead of, you know, the minutia of detail, it's pretty much the greatest thing ever. I wish I had done like 200 instead of just two. But, um, <laughs> and I, I might have even gotten good at it. But, <laughs> but I, I really didn't. I like enjoyed. I enjoyed it a lot. Like that is another huge, like, defining memory. Is that it was so much fun. And you sing that basically the whole bridge, right? From Crimson and Clover all the way to the end of your referential. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's just me. Uh, It's just my melody and then the secondary melody halfway through. And then, yeah, just me singing. Because I remember coming up when the song had come out in 2002, K-Rock Radio here in L.A., um, would always do like, you know, bumpers in and out of songs and say, Oh, um, uh, call if you know, they gave like four Davies that it could have been. Um, and at the time I was only really familiar with Davy Havoc, um, who has sure. since uh, featured on a Jimmy world song. <laughs> um, oh, is that right? he, yeah, he's on the newest <laughs> record on congratulations. And it was a, a semi similar situation where I guess Jim was saying, Oh, it sounds like a Davy Havoc type of, uh, song would go here. And it, instead of doing FedEx, because it's 2019 when they do it, uh, he just had Davies sing into his iPhone recorder. <laughs> and, uh, right, yeah, yeah. Um, no, but, but a similar thing. Um, and uh, and so at the time, I was like, oh, uh, Davey Havoc. And that was the first time I'd heard of Davey Von Bolin. And then I sort of looked into everything else um, going into it. But you did get really? name dropped on K-Rock Radio as part of a quiz when the song had come out. But I had no idea that you were singing on it until... I think the song hit iTunes and it said featuring Davey Von Bolin on it. And I was like, oh, what? And because uh, live, you always see Jim and Tom singing it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or somebody else. They, it is. It's yeah. It's a smart thing that they have, you know, whoever, like the opening group or whoever, somebody run on stage, um, do that as well in, in place of Tom's part or whatever. But, um, but yeah, it's funny. Um, and then they were they were massively famous before the first time I ran on stage and did it too so (laughs) I was gonna say Uh, do you remember the first time you you finally so let's go back a little bit you sent them the track back yes and was Um, it like kind of like radio silence for a little bit and (laughs) 
you know, I don't, I don't remember. I mean, I remember the, you know, the awkward thing of having to, you know, send it back and say, hey, so this is what I did. Like, we're talking about it now. It was kind of, like, super obvious, but since your lyric that comes out of it says this, I did exactly that, saying, you know, so it was kind of like, this is really hokey, said out loud. But <laughs> I, I think the melodies are cool, so maybe it'll be okay. I don't know. You know, let me know. So, uh there was an awkward conversation coming out of it where I was like, this is, this is what I did. I, I don't know if that's what you wanted, um, <laughs> but, uh, but it's coming back to you so you can dump it in and see what you like. Um, and yeah, I think at some point, I don't remember, I don't really remember the, the cadence after that of like uh, what happened, but um, I mean, there's obviously a lot of time in between there, but then the record, I mean, the record came out and it was kind of big right away. And I think they had the first single, which semi hit, but which is the opening track on that record. Yeah. Um, and that wasn't as big, but then that, yeah, the middle was like, you know, kind of like all these things happened. It happened really quick and really big. So, um, yeah, I think really the, really the next thing that happened is, uh, the next, the two things that happened, I think, in the, probably the first one is that, they ended up having to, you know, had some legal struggles related to Crimson and Clover. Oh. Uh, and they can, they can corroborate this better than I can, but apparently the guy who owns the, owns the uh, rights to that song and might even be the... Tommy James. Uh, writer, yeah, the writer's, writer's family. I, you know, again, I'm sideways to most of the details, <laughs> um, usually. But uh, it's like a pretty much tight fist, like nobody's using the song, you know, so they ended up having to give away way more percentage of, oh. that, of that song than, than one would think for the 18 seconds. And the fact that it's only like one fifth reference of the 18 seconds, right. they ended up having to give away a, a, a healthy portion um, because of that. But again, sight unseen, like I, I was just hoping that they would stay together and not break up because they got dropped. I mean, I wasn't thinking, no, they're going to sign this way better deal and they're going to put out a song that has like a summer classic single on it and it's going to be gigantic. Um, I mean, it's, it, right. So, so I remember that being like, oh, yeah, I guess I, I didn't think about that. Like, <laughs> even with my own records, nobody would have ever heard about, you know, maybe it would have been like a tongue in cheeks, people being like, oh, I see what you're doing there. But nobody legally would have ever said anything. So it's not something that I would have ever thought about. Um, but they obviously had to. So that was one big thing. As as they signed and the record is coming out, that was like, so here's the wrinkle. Um, and then really the next thing I remember about it uh, was receiving, I ended up with a platinum record because of it. So uh, awesome. Yeah, kind of funny. I mean, uh, it's not something that I display, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> not, uh, you know, I'd like to think those... The middle eight that I sang on on someone else's record is not my greatest accomplishment, so it's not something that I go back to all the time. That's true. But it's it's really great when you're in mainstream world and people are you know people are always asking, "Oh, so you did music?" And you know, you do music. And like Jimmy World, for it's lesser now, but for a long time was like, "Oh, I get it. That's who you are." You know, like oh, so you did you did carry that identity for a while after the record came out. Well, just like with, with people who wouldn't know anything about music, you can kind of pin yourself to like, well, you've heard this song. That's sort of who we are. Right. You know? And it's like, well, I actually sing on that record. So now you know that I'm not like a total 
flunky. Or less <laughs> of a flunky than you were probably imagining this anyways. I, I don't know. But so for a while, that was kind of my reference point to get people to understand like what I do. Um, you know, people who would have no idea that you're not the guy who just plays on a Thursday night at a bar to like get your girlfriends or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so for a while, it was invalidating that way that regular folks that don't know anything about music or what we did. And then we, yeah, I was going to say, we started to touch on, uh, you doing it live with them, uh, when you could, because we mentioned every now and again, they'd have opening acts, but, uh, there was a time when Maritime went on tour with Jimmy world. And I at least found one video. You you don't understand. I watched the middle eighth of this song for probably two hours last night. Cause I knew I'd seen you perform it with them. I knew it. I had it. But it was impossible yeah, yeah. to find a video of it online until late, late, late last night. And it was the Will Turn in 2007. Um, okay. And uh, Maritime had opened. I don't, I'm not sure if it was a full tour or I, I assume it was if they're playing the Will Turn. That's like a tour stoppy type place. Um, right. uh, that it was a full tour. Would you have maybe sang with them every night or was it just something special about the L.A. show or? Um, well, there's only two different times that um, that uh, I would have sang it with them. Uh, well, I guess, right, right. There's only two, either I came out and sang it because we were playing with them or they played in Milwaukee. <laughs> right. That's the only time that I, that I ever sang. That was one of my search terms too, was like Jimmy World, a praise chorus, Milwaukee. And there were a couple shows that there were videos for that you weren't at. And, that's Maybe you were on tour elsewhere or something like that, but um, it was a yeah, it, I, it was a search, man. <laughs> well, you know what's funny? I just uh, pulled up YouTube and searched my name and the praise chorus, and there is something at the Bill Graham Auditorium in San Francisco. But yeah, after that, it gets kind of it's kind <laughs> of muddled, weird, you know, weird covers and. Um, I found a house oh, show weird. with you with the promise ring and Jimmy world and Tempe from 99, um, which was before yeah. the song, but it was pretty cool seeing this oh, house yeah. show you guys. <laughs> and, and somebody digitized basically their entire like high eight cassette tape, because at the end it's like them playing around in someone's bedroom and like making fun of Rick Birch. And then they go to like on vacation to tell you ride. And they just, so, you know, the first 45 minutes is the promise ring and Jimmy Eat world in a backyard in Tempe. And then like yeah. home, home movies. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, uh, I mean, that makes sense. The, uh, we did, I mean, we did a lot of touring with Jimmy Eat world, um, which is such a, it's such a funny thing. Like it's so emblematic of like how the world worked back then you know, like mid nineties, because we used to, you know, I feel like when we started the promise ring, there was like officially eight bands of our genre that were not on the West coast or the East coast. Mm. So, so it was like the smallest world you could possibly imagine. Like, um, we used to do shows with a band from Nebraska called Sideshow. Um, and then they kind of introduced us to a band from Denver called Christy Front Drive. Yeah. Who, who started to, you know, become something. And we then we, we really got on with them. And so we used to do, like, you know, a week here, two weeks there with Christy Front Drive. And Christy Front Drive at some point said, you guys would really get along with this band, Jimmy World in Phoenix. And I think it was on a tour. might have been the Premise Ring tour we did with 
Um, oh my god, I'm bad at this. Uh, Texas is the reason. Um, we did like a big national tour with them, and they and Jim uh, Jim Atkins came to the Phoenix show based on the fact that somebody from Christy Front Drive was like, you have to meet these guys. Like, <laughs> I love that Christy Front Drive was like playing matchmaker in this situation yeah, with totally, both of you. Absolutely <laughs> well, that's the shit. Like there was like eight bands from the middle of the country that were like playing this whatever, you know, pop, college, um, or, you know, whatever you want to call it. But that, you know, whatever that, you know, line on the spectrum that we were all occupying, um, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of us so uh, so kind of discovering each other was kind of a godsend for both bands I think um, they had kind of signed a major label deal early on and, and nothing had really happened and we had done like kind of the opposite where we put out our own records and, and signed to a small indie that had lots of you know street cred and were building pretty quickly building our own audience so they kind of I think for the first two or three times we went out with them, they opened for us. And then, you know, I think probably on the tour that you saw the basement, we did a lot of basement or storefront or like weird space type of shows. Um, everyone was, it was, you know, I don't know if it was like a, who was headlining, but it was kind of a, one of those co-headlining type of tours. <laughs> yeah, right. Both bands, yeah, both bands had like a really good amount of, there's one tour we did in the U.S. that both bands had, really good amount of momentum and it was everywhere we went uh there was a lot of kids so and then obviously it's it's it switched when they kind of hit with this record so, right well not even somewhat i mean at that point then they were doing us favors bringing us to uh on tour and i think that would be the first time in trying to make this story actually fit back into the conversation um <laughs> the first time it was kind of i don't know how to put the, the words on the emotions but they were like big, you know, and not big in the way that they had the middle was their single. So they their crowds were really big, but in that like MTV 120 minutes way where people knew the song, but people weren't really familiar with the band. Right. So, um, so when we would, we would open, people would be, especially in Europe, people would be like, who is this? Like, <laughs> this is, like why am I waiting for Jimmy? Bring out Jimmy. You know, right. which is weird because we'd had this like togetherness. Right. Like, it was, know, yeah, there was no hierarchy. Right. No, our band. Yeah. So, and this happened real quick. So it was, which I don't think as far as like an ego thing, it wasn't tough. It wasn't, I mean, I was happy for them. It wasn't like, you know, I don't think it was like disappointing or like a bummer for us that way, but it was just really strange to interact with people who had no idea who we are we were because they really had no idea who they were right it was um, weird seeing in a, in a, a room, band from your yeah. scene of... right yeah in a room in, right in, a, in, in any meaningful way their fans didn't even at that point quite understand who they were where they came from or any of that so that was a really strange thing so when i came out in, on those tours and did a praise course with them people were not at all you know, they were just like, oh, isn't that nice they let that young man come up and sing with them? <laughs> right. No idea that maybe I was the guy on the record. No idea that like, we had spent, I mean, five, you know, at least, you know, good portions of the previous five years together. I mean, almost so much that I was as good as friends with those guys that I was with my own band members. Right. So, um, right. So that was the really, that's, I mean, that's one of the biggest things for me about, um, 
the first couple times singing with them and being on that tour and, and you know just that you know that whole element to it was just kind of jarring yeah but I, uh, I imagine that and i imagine their fans too. felt the same like you said right yeah i mean just didn't really um, right and they're real like the fans were there at the beginning you know the quote air quotes two fans uh probably were a little bit jarred by that as well but it was i mean just being you know being there was I, the other thing that I thought was always really, um, really interesting is, you know, if you've seen these videos of us playing in storefronts and like, you know, BFW halls, like, it's not really pro style, but they got pro style really quick, which makes sense because they were always really, really good. They never had like a bad show. They never, you know, they were always like pretty much brought the same level of detail all the time. Yeah. Which was always so impressive because bands I've been in were, were always like, we might shock the world with our greatness tonight. Right. We um, we might also leave the stage after three songs. Like, right. So it's, so that was always the shocking thing about just playing with them. It's like, they're going to do them consistently. Every single night, it's going to go off, you know, pretty much the same way. So it wasn't a surprise, but, but I would always have to sound check, which I thought was odd for 18 seconds. <laughs> if I was at the stage. And then they, you know, they were dealing with inner ear monitors at that point, because, you know, technically, you know, like, uh, just the stage setup had gotten pretty big and all that. And I, so there was always this big drama of whether they needed to get me an inner ear set or I should just, or they should, or they should get a stage hand to bring, you know, to bring, uh, one monitor. Yeah, a monitor, drag a monitor out in front of Rick's, uh, Rick's mic stand. And it was like, Guys, I think I can do 18 seconds yeah. without losing myself as you're like, if I have to scream into the microphone and not feel what I'm saying. That's I great. I, I love, right. I, will, <laughs> I love like, yeah, so all right, cool. We got this day off. Oh, actually, no, guys. Sorry. I got to go sound check with Jimmy World for my 18 seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, for sure. It was, I mean, which kind of, I mean, that's why rock shows go well, I guess, is because they do plan every detail. But um, I always just thought that was really yeah. Um, I did going, going yeah. back to the song a little bit. Do you remember, I mean, you only pulling it off in an hour. Was it sort of what the first, first thought, best thought in that studio of like cadent or like syllables, this amount of syllables so I can make fit here. I know you don't really remember the melody part, but were, were the songs on constant rotation for you right then? Or how, how did you pick the songs you picked? Um, it's a great question. I, I, you know, I think you'll get the, tr the truth as it stands now versus the truth as it probably exists. Um, but mostly, um, mostly probably because they, you know, I, I took real lyrics and rhymed, you know, they're, mm -hmm. because they're, they're mashed together with promise ring lyrics. Yep. Um, it was, you know, the rhyme scheme probably was more, you know, you just kind of blah, blah, blahing watermelon, wa watermelon until you can, started to come up with words and then when, you, when you're like oh you know like i could use that i could use you know our house in the middle of the street and reference madness which is right you know kind of kind of a double tongue-in-cheek um joke because we you know we'd probably shared like one of the on, on those tours we used to listen to uh wfmu prank tapes uh-huh um well they did um I don't even remember the people's names anymore. It's like some years have passed. Uh, Sharpling is the guy's show. Like Sharpling did, he had these prank tapes where he would bring on um, 
John Worcester, then all the names are coming back to me. This is amazing. Um, <laughs> and they would do all these prank things where John Worcester would be the guest and do this outrageous guest. And one of them was this guy who'd written a book about like the history of music. And one of his like greatest jokes is that he was arguing that madness in the ends of ska. <laughs> of course, then the, then the phones light up with like, you know, people who were, you know, List, you know, livid fans and are like, right, just absolutely losing their minds. He's like, I, I don't know, our house is really the first Scott Scott song. So <laughs> they're so kind of a ton ton in cheek joke to that. So when I when it rhymes with one of my lyrics, I'm like, oh, of course I have to use madness. Like, <laughs> the original so, ska band, come on, <laughs> right? They invented ska. How could I, how could I not mention them? Um, so so there's a little bit like tongue in cheek between. World. And, and that's actually just a cool song and a cool reference point because that's a cool song in, in like in music right you know and it's kind of it's also kind of a ubiquitous i mean that's sort of the point of it sing me something i know is like well, you want like it's hard to be like what are the five best songs ever right you know, like you want to come up with some iconic songs you know like and we're about the same age as those guys too so it's like what are the songs that like raised you? You know, what are some, and these are not, you know, they might be Giants and Madness and Crimson Clover might not be the songs that raised me per se, but like generationally speaking, those are, those are pretty good ones and they rhymed and they worked in the melody. So it was kind of, then it became first thought, best thought pretty easily because right. it was working. It was working. I mean, they might be Giants with such a teenage, like little bit angsty, little bit funny, little bit serious and deep and you know uh band as well so it was like kind of perfect for like the coming of age story as well so um so that i guess that is uh yeah i love i love how eclectic the mix is because i made a playlist of the songs and it's 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 almost like a jukebox um because yeah yeah, yeah. they don't necessarily go together but it's something for everyone and pan generational yeah, a little bit. Well, the, the, the funny thing is um, the, the, the They Might Be Giants and Madness songs are like more where I was like, I was kind of referencing some fan moments. Like where, I mean, I, I think Don't Let's Start is one of like, the greatest songs of all time. Like, uh, I'm a huge fan of that song. We used to stay up for like the alternative hour on MTV when I was 10 or 11, waiting, hoping that that video would be one of the videos of the hour. Nice. Um, so, I mean, I was really, you know, tickled in a way to be able to reference something that was, like, kind of dear to me. Um, but the, the underlying Crimson and Clover thing, which ended up just cost them all the money, is, uh, <laughs> that was more, that was more of a, a thing where it's like, well, the bass melody has to be something repetitive and kind of a, kind of a layer. It's so almost that, like you know what you're doing, Davey. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> I am, as we, as we started at the beginning, I am so many things. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so it kind of worked out. I mean, Kristen uh, Riley, who I recorded this with, was kind of instrumental as well. And like I said, he has wowed me a few times with his, like, what if you did this instead moments. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the chicken and the egg thing. I'm not really sure. Were there I'm other sure references that you wanted to make or that just didn't fit? Probably, um I'd long since forgotten what they would be. Yeah. Um, I don't remember any point in moments where I'm like, oh, I really got to get this song in there. You know, Naked Ray Gun, whoa, 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 part. Like, no, I, I don't remember any of that. 
Yeah. But, um, uh, but I think I can't even remember how I fell upon my own work there. But um, yeah, I, I don't have any real recollection of that. I think, uh, and I'm not even sure how it got to be Crimson and Clover over and over. Um, we definitely, I mean, I remember there being a moment where we decided the first thing has to be really repetitive and be like the underlying thing that supports yeah. this quote unquote scat lyric that you hit halfway through. So it was, you know, so that it's sort of a little bit slower, a little bit more melancholy, a little bit more of a, you can kind of ignore it when the other thing comes on. Right. So I think so it was probably more, more of a melody thing. And it was like, Oh, like it's kind of like, and as we went through the blah, 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 we kind of, you know, that's probably where it's like, well, the Cruise and Clover over and over are, are popular lyrics, and everybody recognizes them, and uh, and I think we just started putting them in there. Yeah. Um, not, not thinking too much about that. Yeah, stylistically, I feel like bands, like a, a, a thread can be drawn to how that part is sung to bands like Taking Back Sunday, where they have dual vocalists that do very much that same thing, where they have like right, an underlying yeah. thing that starts a phrase and then something on top of it that that takes it to another level, which was the call, right? Right, yeah, right, for sure. So um, it kind of, I think it worked like as far as, it started working like kind of right away where it was like, this is the, mu- you know, the music lends itself to this kind of thing and this makes sense. And, that, and then you're actually singing popular songs and you're interweaving them with your own music. And so I think it like, once it took, that's why it only took an hour. Once it took off, like yeah. 20 minutes in, I mean, we were probably done with the idea 10 minutes after that, and then it was just a matter of actually hitting the vocal well enough. Right. But, um, right, but yeah, it's funny because we only did probably record it like three takes because it was an unknown. It was like, they really just need something in here. <laughs> I'm not going to like be tedious about it. You don't want to so overthink it, became, it, yeah. Right, so when it became, it's like, oh, this is just like, you know, one, probably one of the more listened to songs that I'll ever be part of. Um, Sonic is probably like the least amount of attention, <laughs> you know, given to it. But uh, <laughs> that's that's sort of, that's sort of the beauty of life too. It's like uh, yeah, the great ironies, you know. And then, other than Tommy James, did anybody ever reach out to you and like, hey, that was really cool how you put my lyric in there? Like anybody from They Might Be Giants or? <laughs> no, wouldn't that be great? Life's not over. You know, you never know. Um, yeah, who knows? I don't know. Uh, nobody has ever said that to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's pretty clever, but you know, nobody asks. <laughs> I'm going to track people <laughs> down and I'm going to, I'm going to ask them <laughs> like, have you, you need, you owe Davy a call. <laughs> right. Yeah, seriously. Um, uh, right now they, then they come like, probably owe some money too. Um, well, that's what we should I mean, do. We should get Greg Simpson to have you on his They Might Be Giants podcast and then surprise you with somebody from the band. <laughs> Seriously. No, that, uh, yeah, they are so great. I, uh, I marvel at their greatness. Even It's so funny how great they were at that time, like just off the wall great. To listen yeah. To well, and they jettison their <laughs> career into so many different ways. Like, it's just like a ball of creativity, you know? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Right. No. So, I mean, it's funny, like, you know, obviously I don't talk about this song very much, but when I talk about this song, uh, I'm so glad I referenced them because they are, yeah, they're so, uh, you know, and now time, so much time has passed, like they're pretty obscure, but their their greatness is so, so true. You know, they're so truly great that it's, uh, it's good. It's good when you're like, yeah, I was smart. I was, you know, it was a good thing that they got referenced, whether, you know, 
I'm just glad that I was smart enough at 20 years old to, <laughs> to think of them. That is right. You know, it really, really didn't say anything. And then 25 years passing, I'm glad I said that. You know, I pretty much, you know, the longer you're on this earth, the more regret you're filled with. So, um, in one regard, you that. nailed something. <laughs> Right, yeah, yeah. I go back to that every time I screw up. I tell my wife, like, well, I nailed that thing that you got. Yeah. <laughs> or if you do something Not wrong and your wife is like, oh, why did you make that decision? You're like, well, I did the They Might Be Giants thing once. Come on. Right, yeah. <laughs> I really, it's, it's, it's evening now because all the screw-ups are just based on that one great year. Right. No, uh, it's, it's funny. I do have a couple more questions unless there was anything else you wanted to say about the song. No. No, I think I've shared all of my memories, true and false, about the song. So that's um, awesome because I I really do think unless you have a memory of having interviewed about this before, I could not find you talking about it much more beyond Jim referencing sending you the song. Yeah, no, I, I think I talked about it like mostly probably with any world fans who realize who I am and then they want to know how it all happened. Right that, after a show or at one of your shows. Right, or, I don't think I've ever I've ever I've definitely never interviewed specifically about it um maybe there's been a passing question about you know the weird occurrence <laughs> yeah, know, of, the weird occurrence <laughs> how it all happened yeah um, but, um in all of that yeah. and having been so closely related with them over the years do you have an overall favorite jimmy world song uh, it, it's no um and i don't even know song titles that well the same um 100 same but, <laughs> Right. I mean, probably my my deepest fanship of Jimmy World is related to when they, they had recorded demos for, God, I'm not even sure which, I'm going to have to pull up a discography on the internet to make sure that I'm... <laughs> Do you remember you know, about what year you're thinking? Um, well, I just want to make sure that it was this record. Yeah. Because <laughs> they, they had um, maybe, well, you know, it all kind of blends together for sure. But they had recorded... I didn't really listen to a lot of their songs that they recorded demos for, for, for Clarity and Bleed American. So I think probably just in the, like in the hundreds of shows and the hundreds of time I've, times I've seen them play, um, Clarity is probably the strongest, you know, like connection and therefore like those are my favorite songs. Yeah. I th- it would be, and I, I think that's one of, um, one of the, uh, that's probably one of the uh, albums that you know they're most known for. Yeah, but I don't. Um, God, there's a lot of there's a lot of deep cuts on that record that are so good. Um, I can't I can't remember. There's one song that they were gonna leave off, and I can remember the guitar riff, but I can't remember the name of the song. They were gonna leave it off, and we begged them to put it on. Um, <laughs> and this is just this is just an aside, but we begged it. We like we listened to their demos because you know. Trading the tapes uh, in the band, we're like, oh, this is what we're up to, and we were like, oh, we're gonna leave that as a B side. We're like, oh, no, it's so great. Um, <laughs> oh, that's interesting. If you if you if you recall it, or if it comes up on shuffle on your phone or something one day, hit me up and let me know what that is because I'd love to know what they were gonna leave off and I'll, they didn't. I'll figure it out. They didn't, and then I remember after they put it on the record, we were like, ah, it's kind of a B side. <laughs> I it was more of a, a moment thing. <laughs> yeah, right. I was like, I mean, no, it's a, it is a great song. It's just that it like didn't really work in the album. And I was like, after listening to the album, I was like, nah, they were probably right. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll, I will figure out what song it is. 
um, and as you know. Um, but off the top of my head, I don't, I, I can't recall, but that's not to say I don't, I didn't mention it on a previous episode. <laughs> right. No, no, no. Uh, it, it's, it is, uh, I just, I just don't remember the song title and about like listening to each song. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I, but clarity era is like that. Yeah. 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 And I think the, uh, the, I can't, for some reason, can't put my, uh, God, it's one of their big hits too. It's such a great song. The, um, the whoa, whoa, whoa song. Um, oh, sweetness. Yes. Sweetness. Yeah. That, that was a demo. I think that one did get left off of clarity or was like done around the time of clarity, yes, but they weren't working yeah. on it yet. Yeah, it was kind of right. No, that's exactly that is exactly sweetness is ridiculous. It, it's that song is so and like bad. yeah, no matter where you are or what room you see them in or amphitheater, when that song happens, the whole venue goes off, and it's like yeah, no. the energy in the yeah. room like changes. It's so good, so good. Yeah, so that I mean that song I, when they they played it live before the re- before that record came out, or they because they were playing it because it was that delay the last song or the first song on the next record or whatever in the writing process and they were playing it and it was like it was a hit the minute they played it. you were it. like what um, the fuck you wrote that <laughs> right yeah it's just like wow that is like you know the lore you know drops out like that song was so great yeah so i think that that's got to be just because it's so great i think that has to be the one probably for me just because it is just beyond as yeah. far as it's great, it's a, yeah. just over the top. It's a hit anytime. Everybody, it's kind of undeniable, you know. So yeah, but I, I really like some of the ballads too. So um, yeah, they're they're but. so versatile. <laughs> Um, and then I am not a journalist by any means, but I imagine I would get crucified if I did not ask if you were working on any music currently. Uh, no, not. Um, yeah, no. I, I music is kind of on the side for me currently. Yeah. So. Um, maybe maybe this will spawn some of those uh, twenty second. Uh, yeah, I will, or maybe you'll do a comedy do. album because you started remembering all those names. <laughs> right, seriously. Just start crank uh, calling people. <laughs> well, I'm notoriously bad at remembering people's names, but like celebrities who is in that movie, like I am the worst at that. So yeah. The fact that I was able to bring John Worcester's name out from my memory is. It's actually a little bit shocking. That's so, great. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty, I'm pretty proud, proud of myself for that. Yeah. When I had um, a kid, I mean, uh, uh, well, how old are your kids now? Uh, 15 and 13. Oh, they're too old to think it's cool, probably. But I ended up writing, uh, a growing up in a punk band, when I had my kid, I was like, oh, let me, I, I still like dabble and do stuff in logic. And I ended up writing all these instrumental, like one minute punk songs. And then one day I was like, oh, I'm going to put nursery rhyme lyrics to them. And my four-year-old loves it. He thinks it's hilarious. Um, right. No, <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. Uh, I was there like, was oh, that. you could always go like the nursery rhyme route or something. <laughs> there, no, there was a, when my oldest son was maybe probably between like five and eight he would come on stage and do this insane dance and it was like um it's so funny because one time he actually got on a jumbotron doing it and it like it made it made the the news oh that's great oh that's so cool for like a little kid yeah no but it was like one of those things where like it was like it's instant much like uh sweetness it's like instant classic yeah um and i've grown out of it a bit but um, he used to do that, and people used to go nuts. When oh, that's so cool! That, so. 
So we definitely uh, do you have like the video that you bring up at like parties and stuff like, oh, look at when my son was younger, he was uh, got on the Jumbotron. Uh, it is. We do have video of it because it was uh, well, it was one of those things where like the local magazine, somebody found out that it was my kid. Oh, cool. Yeah, like, yeah. Making a big deal is like, of course, it's the local music guy's son who's like doing this and making the day better and blah, blah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, no, it's funny. Like he has, he, he still kind of has always had more star power than I ever, you know, could muster. But sure. I mean, that's, that's probably a little bad opinion, but. Yeah, well, um, no, I get that. <laughs> like, And I'll tell you this one last thing before I let you go, because I think you'll appreciate it. So we're in L.A., Dodger fans. Um, we went to one of Vince Scully's last games, and it was the one where they had they were giving away Vince Scully microphone, and there was a plaque, uh, not a plaque, but like a paper you get and all that stuff. And so my son was probably one and a half at the time, and I he's, he needs to be put to sleep. So I carry him and I'm bouncing him up in the playground area of Dodger Stadium. And I see a camera guy and I say, you know, they cut to they cut to these playground areas in and out of commercials. Right. Let me go stand next to this guy. And the minute I stand next to him, he's like, hey, are you going to be here for a while? I was like, yeah, he was like, Vin likes to talk about the kids. Um, uh, do you mind staying here? So I stayed there. And sure enough, they cut to my son sleeping on my chest. And I got video of Vin Scully talking about my son in one of his last games. And it's like the coolest thing that like it's my thing where I pull out at parties and I'm like, look at this. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, especially because Vin Scully is a big deal, too. So it's like, yeah, last thing is fucking my kid. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, man. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Hopefully you enjoyed going down this memory. <laughs> uh, no, I, yeah, no, absolutely. I think I, I love it that I enjoy, I enjoy these more than a lot of the actual, you know, trials of being a career musician. So um, we're fun to talk about. And again, like you said, we, I really do it. So I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. You have a great day. For sure. You too. All right. Bye. Alright, later. Do nothing, Dodgers, bottom of the third, sleeping the sleep of the good child. Oh, you always see the baby sleeping in mom's breast, but in this case, dad's chest will do. Although they tell you the most comforting for a baby is to hold that baby against the chest where he can actually feel the heartbeat. Alright, oh my gosh. Uh my if I could take I wish I were wearing my Apple Watch when I did that because um my heart must have been racing at like 120 BPM just sitting. <laughs> um, I believe it. But uh, yeah, one thing I did. So I, he talks about that bad flirt song, the band from Canada. And uh, so obviously I went in search of it uh, on Apple Music and Spotify and YouTube everywhere. It's just like a 2012 release that they have like of a like it's it seems like a single with a B-side remix or something. And I couldn't find it anywhere. So one thing that kept coming up when I would search it were these like Vermont videos like up like in Vermont. And I was like very confused about like why it kept showing up. But I was like, OK, well, um, let me keep looking. So I would look. I found the lead singer of the band. I couldn't message her on Twitter. Her messages are off unless she's following us. So then I found like on Wikipedia, the guitarist's name was there and I found him and I messaged him. He did not get back to me, but I did keep thinking. And I went and looked in these stuck in Vermont videos. And I noticed that in the credits, 
of the video and like the description, they say that the music is bad flirt from Virgin Talk, how I'm spending my summer vacation unmastered. So I go and watch the video and I'm like, okay, well, I guess it could possibly be the song. I've never heard this band before and I've never heard the song, but I'm just taking a stab in the dark. And it links to their MySpace page of which, of course, the song is there. You hit play. It doesn't play. So I go to the Stuck in Vermont YouTube page where it has like all their videos, playlists, community channels about go to about and I find an email address. So I email and I say, hey, this is a video you did. Like, let me tell you when this video came out, October 2008. (laughs) And I'm like, hey. And I don't know, like, is stuck in Vermont, like a Vermont college thing? And like, maybe it's a student every semester is randomly putting all this stuff together. I'm like, hey, you guys, I linked to the video. I said, you guys had this song. Do you guys still happen to have it? And sure enough, a couple days later, Ava Saulberger, she writes me back. She's been doing videos with them uh, for the past 13 years. uh, And you can watch them at seven days vt.com and she just randomly gets submissions and their record came on came to her she doesn't even recall why they sent their album but she got their album and just used the indie music that she could in her video so she didn't have to license it and she just credited them which is why it kept coming up so she's Ava Solberger is the senior senior multimedia producer for Stuck in Vermont And uh, she's been doing the Stuck in Vermont videos for the past 13 years on YouTube. And she sent us the song, How I'm Spending My Summer Vacation, featuring Davey Von Bolin. And uh, we played a little bit of it and found the timestamp, which, of course, so apropos, 155. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, uh, I guess we could play it and talk about it a little bit. Sure, here it is. How I'm Spending My Summer Vacation, featuring Davey Von Bolin. There it is. There it is. His 30 seconds of uh, alternative fame, right? With Bad Flirt. Which he loved, yeah. He was like, uh, I mean, everybody heard it. If he could do features for the rest of his life, he'd love it. <laughs> yeah, right? I'm going to make a living off of it. It's fun, man. Everyone else does the heavy lifting, and then you just come in and put in the little frosting. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that's uh, Bad Flirt, how I'm spending my summer vacation. I think that was a 2008 release. So, yes. And then, you know what I realized (laughs) is I did all that digging for that song. I could have just asked Davey for it. (laughs) Right. I know. But look at that. That whole story that you have. And thank, um, and the email yeah, address on archive.org. Um, so I think, yeah, look at that. I think, uh, I think everyone's probably just so angry that they listen to all this pod. Um, but I'm hoping that they got some. I, I, as a fan of Jimmy Eat World, hearing Davey talk about that process and that part of the song was such like like plugged up so many holes for me that that's the type of content that I would have hoped to hear if I were listening to the pod. Uh, so in the fact that I did the interview myself, I'm not a journalist at all. Um, 
was very nerve wracking, but I feel like it went so well. So, yeah, and I thought so, too. Uh, sounded well. And uh, and he was very, uh, very forthcoming with all that. Uh, I don't know his his side of the story it was really good. All right. Well, I guess then uh, to any new listeners we have out there, um, usually what we like to do is tell everybody to be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes!